Hi folks and welcome back to another exciting episode of Loss of Lieutenants. I'm your host Kevin and on tonight's show I'm joined by fellow hosts Nick and Gav. <laughs> Kevin! Kevin! Gabbo, Gabbo, it's, Gabbo! It's been a little while since we've heard those dulcet tones. It has Mr. been a Bateman, while. How have you been? Um, good, man. Good. Just uh, living my best life, uh, working too much and not playing any Infinity, partially because of work and partially because of lockdown. Mate, that's not your best life. No, yeah. don't. That's 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 um that's middle aged white man for having an existential crisis. Is saying you know living the dream, that sort of thing. So. <laughs> Really, I'm saying send help. No, we're, we're all there, man. We're all we're all there. But um, lockdowns are easing, so you can get out and see mm-hmm. people, um, play some play some more games. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I'm yeah, looking forward to going and getting some burgers and drinking some beers for my birthday very very soon. Ah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you haven't been playing many games, you said, but we have brought you on because you are you are an el- an elder statesman of the Infinity. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Australia. Yes, I am. I'm the old man yelling at a cloud. Yes. Yeah. So you know your your uh, your wisdom is always always appreciated because on tonight's show we're we're going to be talking about the fundamentals of terrain and uh, table design, and yes. how and how and how important a good table design is for a fun, fair and interesting game of Infinity. Yeah, a topic near and dear to my heart. Yeah, uh, both, as a both, as a TO, both as a player and and especially as a TO, and that's what I think maybe I might have something worth worth saying. Um, insight as a TO and the challenges that you know come up with that. Well, yeah, definitely, and because I mean, you've hosted events like Novacore, which has been the largest event in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got an event with a hundred plus people, you've got fifty plus tables, right? Mm-hmm. So there's yep, um, there's, you see everything. So whether you like it or not, you see the full gamut of tables. And um, as the TO, it's your responsibility whether you like it or not. So you hear about them as well. So <laughs> if something works or doesn't work, um, yeah, you're the <laughs> You're the first to know, which is good. You know, it's your job to fix it. But um, yeah, so I think that's why I, I really, I think it's a topic worth talking about. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, an interesting topic to get into. Uh, but as always, we'll, we'll we'll check in with our host first uh, and see what we've been up to. So Gav, do you want to kick us off seeing as uh, you've been on the show in a while? Yeah, so I haven't had a game of Infinity in a long, 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 long time. Um, these, it's probably been five or six months since I've played Infinity. Uh, I'm not a big, I'm not a fan of TTS for me. Infinity is a tactile game where you're, you know, drinking and talking to your, to your opponents. So, uh, it just doesn't work for me. And, um, and then obviously lockdown just really made games impossible. And, um, yeah, my, my job at the moment has been intense. Like my days are, you know, 13, 14 hours long on a good day. So, um, yeah, n- no games, uh, but I have been getting some painting in. I'm painting some uh Flot at the moment and a little bit of uh Aleph as well. Um at the moment I've about to finish off the um what is it the core fire team, Varangians and Unknown Range. I've got one more to go. Mm, yeah, I've been seeing your your work <clears throat> on the socials and yeah the Varangians are looking real real good. Well thank you. I'm uh pretty pretty happy with how this army's going. It's Painting black is is really a lot harder than um than it probably didn't you looks. didn't you do start doing this at the ATL end of N three painting some black stuff was it was this the Ariadna mm-hmm. or was this something else that you were painting yeah black? so I I I painted Pano black that was and, right yeah um and then what happened was um Shock Army is very good but it wasn't what I liked about Shock Army last edition 
So I kind of just 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 um just left it, just dropped it. And I was looking for um a faction that would really challenge how I play the game. And um so I chose yeah, you, Ariadna, yeah, how's that gonna challenge you, Gavin? <laughs> <laughs> well it's not just any Ariadna, right? Yeah, so the thing is I am pretty well known for being quite a defensive and conservative player. And um, Cosmoflot is kind of like the opposite of that. It's very aggressive, um, you know, threats from everywhere. So um, it's really uncomfortable uh, for me playing that way. Um, but I think it's a skill worth learning. And especially because there's this whole, um, there was this trend or this expectation that active was so good, right? So that people just hit all their stuff and turtled. And then because everyone turtled, you know, going second was so good because essentially you could turtle and if people didn't figure out how to, you know, you know, fuck you up, they would get an extra turn, right? So that's how, like, the pendulums swung that way. But what that means is um, the people that think they can, you know, go, I'm going to choose deployment, um, I'm going to choose initiative and go mm -hmm. second, they're going to get punished. Like, mm -hmm. if, if they think that's going to work, my plan is to, like, turn that on the head by, um, by playing Cosmo because that won't. It won't go well for him. Yeah, because the expectation is that uh, to null deploy against Cosmo is a is a is a mistake. I think it's a yeah. Like I think um, it's one of those things, right? Where I think a lot of people have the pendulum has swung to the point where oh, null deployment is good, but I don't think people in general, from what I'm hearing, are planning for somebody null deploying and then either taking the pieces or changing the ga game plan appropriately when somebody does null deploy. I think a lot of people are like, oh, they just null deployed, they get an extra turn and, and, and sort of go, and that's why they won. Null deployment's, you know, powerful. But if somebody mm. gives you the run of the board, the amount of things you can do, even if it's not killing necessarily, but the amount of movement you've got to get in a position just to put everything in suppression fire and make their first turn a nightmare. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. I think, um, yeah, for me, going first is is um, always a bit bit a bit daunting because if, I feel like I haven't killed at least three orders. I've not done a good first turn. But if you mm -hmm. if you if you you know do something else by moving into midfield, going into suppressive fire, um, putting, yeah. putting mines put, everywhere, put, putting setting the, up your repeater network, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. If you can do that unopposed, then yeah, it's yeah. And and from what I'm hearing, like I'm not seeing a lot of people take full advantage of the fact that somebody null deployed. As somebody who was Shaz, um, null deployed a lot. That was a big part of how I survived when I was playing Shaz in N3. There was a lot of stuff I was worried about. You know, people calling my bluff on that. Mm -hmm. And um, but it's one of those things, right? Like when a tactic comes out, it becomes strong, and it takes a little while for people to figure out. Oh, I've got all this free movement <laughs> that I can, you know, take advantage of. Even just moving up, you know, like a a repeater bot into an awkward spot, which you would not have had a chance to do before, you know, moving it up somebody somewhere, putting it prone, you know, that can, you know, really help you, you know, later, especially in this edition with the, you know, reaction um, spotlight. Yeah, ab absolutely. And and there's so many, um, there are all, uh, heaps of tools out there to kind of dig out null deployment. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'll get into it a bit more later, but I mean, I had a game against a Starmata player who took a bronze mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, I've got, I've got three flashball spots up and that's it. And the bronze has got total immunity. He doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. about my flashball spots but my opponent didn't think about that it was only after we played the game and you know we finished it and he was like oh i should have just run up with my bronze and i would have been able to do nothing i'm like yep yeah, that's exactly what if you'd done that i had no answer to that at all yeah um, I, I think i think that's what i 
so I haven't been playing a lot of games, but I've been keeping, you know, my my ear to the ground. And one thing I'm sort of really noticing is a lot of people not seeming to change their plan because somebody did that deployment. And mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do to to really mess with that. Yeah, and having those tools available to to to, so, to deploy them. So that's one of the reasons I'm really keen on, on playing Cosmo. One is to to um, get comfortable playing like aggressive. And and two is to really punish that that idea because every time I hear somebody um say that they um chose to go second mm-hmm. like I have like a little aneurysm so yeah, <laughs> I really I really want to punish people for that <laughs> yeah that's me that's that's me with my shaz yeah I'll be mm-hmm. like I'll go second every day yeah um, until I come up against a Cosmo flop player and then I'll be like yeah no nah, I'm taking first <laughs> real bad idea you know with Margot Duroc and bears everywhere yeah yeah and absolutely. I don't mean me. <laughs> the handsomest of, of beers. Uh, Actually, I don't have a beard, so is that an otter? <laughs> like there, there is a spectrum. Yeah. Uh, yeah like in terms, in terms of what you're looking at when you do start playing with, um, with your Cosmoflot, Gab, mm-hmm. have you already sort of got your eye, an idea of what your list is going to look like, or are you just going to? Yeah, everything up and I, go from there. So I tend to, no matter what army I play, have a template list. And then very little usually changes unless something has to or a specific mission. So um, going off the top of my head, it's like core of the Unknown Ranger and four Varangians. Um, point for point, I don't think there's a more efficient fire team in the game. Um, what else is in there? A rocket lieutenant, just because I needed a cheap lieutenant. Um, Margo and Duroc's in there. I'm not sure of the, the group, so, so uh, forgive me for that. Uh, three SAS. Um, uh, the special character SAS. What's her name? Um, Usha. Usha. Um, what else is in it? Uh, a commando paramedic, paracommando uh, paramedic. Oh yeah. And what's he? Um, what's he armed with? Uh, SMG. Okay, SMG yeah. mimetism. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's decent. But the thing is, paramedics in an army with a lot of high fizz stuff dropping in your your backline. Um, that's yeah, pretty cool. good point. Uh, and. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the the dog team. Oh, sorry, the bear team. So the the, the regular dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not super sure on that one though. I do like the two orders for 31 points that you you get the two models you get for 31 points. Um, but I'm not sure on that one whether I I might swap that out for the irregular one. That's something that, you know I could flex into. But yeah, it's a lot of like aggressive pieces and you know full 15 troops. Um, there's like three models that drop in. There's Four midfield camo, all of which are, are camo that you have to respect because if you don't, um, you know, an SAS with D charges, um, the Ford Observer one. Mm-hmm. Um, on, honestly, you know what Corvus Belly takes with the the chasseur change, uh, they give back with the SAS. SAS is now the best skirmisher in Ariadna. Yeah, because what's that like twenty two points or something like that? Twenty one for the yeah. Ford Observer, and yeah. the Ford Observer is one hundred percent the one you'd be taking. Yeah, that's it's the that's so the cool. light shotgun chain rifle D charges. Mm-hmm. D charges, yeah, yeah. D charges with martial arts and surprise attack. Like, yeah, I was lamenting a lot of Ariadna for not having a lot of threatening camo, and I was coming particularly from a place of um, US Ariadna and TAC, which I don't think has a lot of threatening camo, but you have to respect. Um, but an SAS, if a tag decides to walk past one and you you happen to dodge into close combat, is um, that tag is not moving. You know? That's re- that's really quite cheap as well um, for yeah. such for you know with such a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It, it honestly feels like a, <clears throat> like not even high twenties. It's twenty one points. That's yeah. yeah, it's an absolute steal. It's such a good unit. Yeah, yeah. 
Ah, yeah, cool. so yeah, I'm keen, keen to start playing. I'm hoping I'm going to get a game next week, actually. So yeah, how's the, how's the how is the community over in New South Wales? Actually, I haven't heard much from a yeah, lot of those guys. It's, it's been a bit quiet. It's hard to tell uh, how much how much um, that is, you know, COVID, and how much of that is people just sort of moving on to different games and stuff like that. Like I myself haven't been really, you know, championing, championing and pushing the game particularly hev- heavily. Um, and, and I was, I mean, there's others as well, but I was one of the ones that sort of like, you know, kept the momentum and kept things going. So that's what happens, right? When one person who's like really into it sort of dies off. If, if somebody else doesn't pick up the slack, things can sort of like die off a bit. Um, so possibly a little bit because of that and obviously a lot because of COVID. So um, you know the, the Facebook groups are still you know fairly active, so um, yeah, ho- hopefully hopefully it can build back up. But even saying that, like I won't be as um, like prominent or as involved just because you know I'm getting older and I've got you know other priorities as well. Yeah, well, hopefully you can we can um, get back out there, and and, and mm. I'm sure there's there's new if it's, if it's anything like Melbourne, Victoria, where we've had an influx of new players that are just you know keen to learn the game. Yeah. Um, as long as there's veterans around to yeah. help them on that path, and they'll they'll be able to you'll be able to pass the pass the torch, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we still got like a lot of players. It's just about like getting some games and some reps in, which we just haven't been able to do for like six months. Yeah, I mean we're the same, eh? Like we haven't had any real presence except you know through the our Discord really to keep yeah our Discord yeah. and um Facebook to keep um local players in the know. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully big, soon we can big, get back. Big difference I've seen is you guys are like really um happy to 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 play TTS. Mm. Uh, there's barely anyone in Sydney that or New South Wales that seems to like be as keen so i I think that's a lot of that comes out of necessity though as well right we've our final lockdown we've just finished was our sixth Mm -hmm. um the (laughs) one that you guys have just finished was your second um (laughs) yeah whereas we spent almost all of 2020 um not being able to do much Mm -hmm. um really drove us in that direction of 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 tcs um once we open back up I, i mean I honestly don't. I honestly see things pretty much going back to what they were, though. I don't mm. see people continuing to use TTS. Yeah. Um, necessarily, mm. but it's a yeah. It's gonna be a really it's gonna be a really exciting time, I think, because yeah, we've we've got a new few players who've been basically only playing on TTS. So to see them in person and get some games in 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 the game store or at each other's houses is gonna be really exciting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to not just tournaments um, like local ones, but when we can actually, you know, start traveling again and start planning bigger ones. Cause trying to plan like a bigger tournament at the moment, has just been a nightmare because you're just opening yourself up for disappointment. I intended on running Novacore this year, obviously <laughs> uh, that didn't happen. And I'm really glad that I didn't announce anything before lockdowns. Cause I would have hated to have to like cancel it. So I'm glad that I, I waited. Um, yeah. Bummer. Yeah, and then yeah, well, same same with Burn City uh, Brawl. I guess we we were kind yeah. of holding on and holding on, going, oh, we won't cancel it. Might it might get better, and then yeah, then this <laughs> happened, and now and now we're kind of having to come up. It's hybrid, just a hybrid. little waterlogged. Yeah, it's just a little airborne. It's still good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's a good analogy because we now sort of I feel like we have to kind of wait for you know it to dry out or uh, us to yeah. kind of get back in back into it again before we can really you know focus on 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 it. But um, yeah. you know, and with Christmas coming up, it does feel like we're kind of coming up to a, a stop. But mm. we'll 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 um we'll kickstart it probably before then, and then hopefully in the yeah. new year. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see like little things sprout up, but nothing really serious start until next year. But, but um, yeah, but get a bit of momentum going. Get a couple of local events. I think I Val think, Val Val down in Geelong's running. A, he's not even running a tournament; just running a day, a games day where you can mm-hmm. come play as many games as you want. Play one, play three, paint, do whatever, play. You know, and just to get people in one room, you know, and have that kind of feeling of it. Uh, end of November, I think 20, 20, 20th of November down in Geelong. So I mean, that's a bit of a, a plug for plug plug for those guys. But um, yeah, that'll be a, a super fun day, I think. It's funny you say that because that's actually where I'm leaning to start with. Instead of going straight back into tournaments, you know, like you know, tournaments take time to get people into that rhythm where they can finish their games on time and stuff like that. And you can you can like ease people in with simpler simpler missions or or longer days and stuff like that but going straight back into three games in a row you know with with small breaks and stuff like that after what is you know like i'm telling you there's match fitness to infinity um (laughs) yeah for sure i i I think yeah just ease into like maybe some you know game full days of games where there's like less not that there's a lot of pressure but like a bit less of that sort of stakes involved and just have as many games as you want and you know go get some drinks and that sort of stuff and then probably kick off in earnest next year yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, we'll move on. Uh, Nick, did you want to talk about anything you've been up to recently? I've I've not had a chance to get much into much. Um, I have uh, assembled um, uh, Carmen. Mm. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Um, because I need something that's on a motorbike, so she's uh, she's been put together, and then I'm gonna chuck some paint on her uh, in the not too distant future. And, she's excellent, um, by the way. You. Play tuck, yeah. Mm. You really? I, 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 I wouldn't say I, I have. I played. I've played one game mm. with them. You've dabbled, um, mm. and I've got them sitting on my shelf here, all painted. Um, and I yeah. highly recommend if you are playing tuck to take her. She is. Mm. She's absolutely excellent, especially this edition. Now she's got mimetism as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she good. Yeah, definitely, and that's and that's another sort of. I've I've had the model for a little while, um, and it's just been sitting in the box, and mm. so. Um, now I'm getting my my full hobby set up, all um, prepared and organised to have a little space that I can sort of go to and and get a bit of hobby hobby done on a regular basis, which I, where I want to be sitting at like setting aside sort of at least thirty minutes a night, so I can really get into the rhythm of of doing that sort of thing. And that's going to be my first cap off the rank is to mm. uh, to get her done. Nice. Yeah, well, you've got until the end of the year to get that to get her, right. her done. So you know you've got you've got time. You do thirty minutes a night. You should <laughs> smash that one out. My what about, what about? Sorry, go. I was going to say my pledge is to finish this um, Cosmoflot fifteen troops at least. So I think I'm about halfway through. I've got about seven or eight done. So oh, cool. Half, halfway there. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're uh, yeah you're you're taking part in the challenge as well. Um, as for me. Uh, I haven't done any hobby lately. Just um, been playing a few games. So I had a actually had a game last night um, on TTS with Trent, who's from well, I think he's he's in New South Wales at the moment. I'm actually not sure if he's from New South Wales. Yeah, he's he's around here. I don't really know his situation, but he's definitely he's definitely showed up to a few events. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we 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 got a game in last night. It was the third and final round of Operation Cool Breeze, which is Ben's uh, TTS 400 point event. Uh, which has been super fun and super interesting and and uh, a good um, exercise in in uh, list list creation at four hundred points mm-hmm. um, takes you out of that three hundred point mindset and uh, puts you in an entirely new pool. 
where you've got um, where you really reevaluate all of your other all your pieces. So um, that wrapped up last well wrapped up for me anyway last night uh, with an eight one victory, which was it came down to the wire. We were playing Frostbite, and he was running military orders, and I was running Dashat, and um, he he went first. And he had <laughs> this is this is just like what four hundred points is like. Pano was just like, mm, this is so good. It was a core link containing two Knight of Justice missile launchers, um, a Knight of Santiago KHD, and two Teuton knights. And he had a duo of uh, Joan with the Hospitaller Doctor, which I thought was a cool little duo because it let you know you you, you get you get Joan, but she doesn't have to be in the core, and she can move around with the with the Doctor. Um, he had a Sepulchre Knight with the AP Marksman Rifle, so giving the chain of command for Joan. Uh, Tickbalang, so, which, by the way, the Tickbalang in military orders is disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. having an AP yeah. HMG on a 68-point model with Climbing Plus, points, yeah. Yeah. plus <laughs> and Mimetism is mm. just so good. And then he rounded that out with a Machinist and a Evo Hacker. So it was like eleven orders. Uh, the, mm. the mule bot was in his own comic group. So um, that was um, quite a scary list, and we were playing on a table that was. I will get into the table design, but um, it was what I would describe as a diamond shape um, terrain. So if you imagine the middle of the diamond is all of the terrain on the table, essentially, and then you got the long edges of the diamond, which are essentially just fire lanes that mm-hmm. go. Um, that basically just crisscross the the table from the left to the right. So if he he put his link team in the in the middle, and he could just see all the way to my left hand side corner, all the way to my right hand side corner, but nothing in the middle, um, which basically forced me to either use smoke or move it move it up the middle. So I wouldn't say it was a bad table, but it was it certainly if you had a defensive aero fire team, you just plonked them in there and profited because yeah. it just limited where I could, limited where I could go. Um, but that was yeah, that was fun. I was playing Dash App. Um, it was um, yeah, it was a super it was a super fun, super interesting game. I managed to immobile, um, EM his Tick Blang on the first turn with a Spitfire EM grenade from my Hulang. After my brave Kumbiker made a, a rush for him and was ended up being half an inch short from getting into base to base with the Tick Blang, which is one of those things where I was like, I could, you know, it's like, oh, is it in? Is it out? Because I had to go around the corner. And he was like half an inch out, and yeah, that that, that didn't work out. Um, but uh, yeah, ended up ended up um, yeah eight one. He at the end, like his third turn, he he moved both his knight of justices, both his knight of justice, both his Teutons, Joan, and his his hospitaller into the middle. Um, thankfully, his tech belang was isolated and mobilized outside of the exclusion zone, so couldn't count mm-hmm. that. But even then, that's like two hundred points worth of models just sitting in the middle. Mm. And I had all I had in the middle was Fiddler, so um, I sent um, the brave Libertos into um, into fight, and the fucking Libertos. I mean, unfortunately, Trent just just couldn't pass an armor save to save his life. Like ran in with the Libertos, laid a template on his both his Knight of Justice and his um, Teuton. They, I think, all three of them failed one armor save each, so they all lost one wound. <laughs> and then, and then um, the jackpot Vulcan shotgun came around the corner, started, did it again, down went the Teuton. And then um, McMurrow was like, I had very few orders left, so McMurrow ran into CC with Knight of Justice that had one wound left, killed it, and died in the process. But because I killed that Knight of Justice, that 
I think it gave me 15 points more in the middle and that um, secured me the, the victory but yeah it was a, it was a really fun game um, I encourage anyone um, who's never played 400 points to try it just as a bit of a, as, as an exercise um, it's, not, it's not the most balanced mm. format because I, I definitely think there are factions out there that really struggle for 400 points um, Hack is one of them. Um, you, Hack have some excellent unit types, but they just don't feel at 400 points. They don't feel cohesive. Mm. It feels like you're taking, you know, you sort of have to take. If you're not taking the Maghreba Guard and Hack Islam at 400 points, you're basically just cramming in every 40 point model you can find, and it just uh, mm. sort of feels like a hodgepodge of excellent units, but they don't work together very well. Here's my thought on 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 that. It's not necessarily like what they have at the high end, which is, you know, fine. It's the fact that um, a lot of those armies have, like, faction-defining units in the lower end of the spectrum mm -hmm. that you just cannot take. So, for instance, I'll, um, US Ariadna, the Desperado, is an excellent unit, right? Um, and it's got high AVA, but you cannot take that in 400 points um, because you, you just don't have, the, like, the slots available. So yeah, exactly. So that's my issue more so than um not having necessarily like expensive units to actually fit them. It's the units that you would want to take because they are just good and define the faction you can't really take. So but now 400 points is a lot of fun, but yeah, you're right. I don't I don't think it's a a balanced balanced format at all. No, I think we I think um Ben was doing the breakdown of how many um what factions came to the party and I think half of them were panel factions. Yep. Um, I think it was. Let me just find it quickly because it was quite interesting. Yeah, so it was two vanilla pano, one shock army, two military orders. And we had Aleph, Dasha, Hagazlam, Bakunin, Ariadna, combined army, Morats, Nomads, Cosmoflot, JSA, and Tac. So yeah. like everything else was pretty spread out. Um, then you had five pano factions. Um, I think if you want to play four hundred points. Um, I think you should like scrap the fifteen troops as well. Like, if you're going to play that extra, I think you should like scrap that as well. That way, armies can like kind of do at least a little bit of what they want to do. Um, I think that makes it at least you know a little bit because some armies is like I just have to take the forty point units I've got because that's all I can do. Yeah. Whereas, whereas armies like Aleph don't really have to change their tact at all because they're going to take those units anyway. I think. Wait. Like, yeah. I think for me, what what it, what it says to me is in some in some factions like USR Yadna has a good really good example of four hundred points. Is that there's going to be one less archetype that you can make at mm -hmm. four hundred points with USR Yadna, mm -hmm. and I feel like in Hack Islam there's maybe two. There's like mm -hmm. one where you take the Maggie and one where you don't. Yeah. And um, but for Aleph there's like so many options you can do. You know, you can have yeah. the Marut, you can have the Asura, you can have like a whole bunch of camel stuff. You can do a mm -hmm. bunch of different and, stuff. And you can flex like we when you play like Aleph for example, you can be like oh. I can upgrade this Naga to a Dasu, for instance, right? Like you mm -hmm. have that. And like both are good units, but normally you take the Naga because, you know, you're just trying to squeeze the points a bit. That's but right, like, yeah. But you don't have that alternate alternative when you play some of the other armies, so. Yeah, but it was it was really, um, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. And uh, thanks to Ben for running it. So we'll see how that shakes out at the end. I think at the end I had three wins. Um, so we'll see if anyone else got that way. And then I um, will just briefly touch on a game I had in real life. Um, Callum came around to the house on oh last Thursday, I think it might have been. Uh, we threw down a game of Frontline. We wanted to try the new Frontline in ITS 13. Um, and we played it on my compound table. It was my Dash at versus his Armada. 
and um, yeah, frontline is fun when you have everything on the table that is that's got climbing plus, terrain total, terrain mountain, all having a plus one inch to their first move value. It's um, it didn't didn't affect me too much. Um, but he had a he had a bronze and he had like Nyoka who all have climbing plus who are moving five four, and that's just like that extra inch to get like climb up the you know climb up the building get that angle or, or be able to come in and come out, you know, of, of, of uh, line of fire is, is really, um, is really fun. Um, I got up that game as well. Uh, again, my Liberto, he just stalled a Hector, um, a Hector link team just by laying like shotgun templates on his Nyoka. And he was like, Oh, I'll just try and shoot you. And just failing miserably. Like just, just like, it's just like, again, just sort of dice. You could call it, um, there, but, um, it's funny how some things never change, like the Libertos. Yeah, prick. the Libertos are just such such bastards. Being able to mm -hmm. dodge on 16s, dogged, light shotgun, and oh, oh hey, I'm about to die, I'll just play some mine, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. But what I did discover is it's really difficult to hack Hector. Um, mm, him being yeah, with, the yeah. with, with the Timbot, Whip 15, BTS 6, like mm. I think I tried four or five orders to hack him. Mm. Um, and nah, nothing, was, nothing was going through. And... Um, yeah, that was that was uh yeah that was a good game as well and uh, yeah I really enjoyed um, frontline I like I like the addition of the four classifieds um, mm -hmm. I think it's still very much you are focusing on dominating the the zones that's one hundred percent the primary mission objective but knowing that you can only really leave with six points if you don't get any of your classifieds is mm. quite an incentive to um to push forward and and you yeah. kind of like because like frontline is all about like killing. And then just being in the right place at the end of the game, you can use that first turn, second turn, or maybe second turn. Probably I prefer to do to get those classifieds. Mm -hmm. Third turn, you know, move into position and get whatever classifieds you've you've got left. And with you, when you've got four classifieds, it's pretty unlikely you're going to get four crap ones. Yeah, you know, you're likely to get you know telemetry or or net undermine or sabotage where you can you can do them. Um. So yeah, yeah, frontline, frontline's. Uh, I, I like, I like the changes. It's still aggressive, but it's got that yep. little bit of flex in it. Yeah, I, I like the changes to frontline. The um, the the AD drop in, you know, kill the one unit holding a back point. Now the, the five point swing or whatever it was, mm -hmm. um, was pretty lame. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like they've changed it. The only thing I'd really like to see is a new classified deck. Um, for me personally, they're feeling a little bit stale, and also some of them. My issue with the classified deck for a while now is some like the disproportionate. Like some are just like, oh, I'll take that all the time because it's it's either so easy or it's something I would be doing anyway. Like the doctor and engineer one is like, well, I want to do that anyway, so like I'm not even wasting anything to do, to. I'm, there's no resource management there because like, oh, I want to heal my things anyway. Yeah. You so just do um, it. yeah. Whereas others are like, um, you know, like kill three things in close combat and yeah like some armies can do that but you know like i i'd just like to see maybe a tweak and, and a change maybe of, of the classifiers yeah no 100 percent. there was a good example last night against uh, trent uh, trent um there's there's three classifieds in frostbite and mm -hmm. i don't know what his other two classifieds were but he did have uh capture or rescue the one where you have to cast back oh, yeah. one, one of your own troops yeah. and he, he he i put down his um authorized bounty hunter uh, the biker because you get a free one in, uh, each in frostbite and mm -hmm. i put i put him down but only put him unconscious and he walked his hospitaler over and picked him up mm -hmm. and then started walking to the middle and i was like trent if you walk to the middle that your your bounty hunter will die at the end of the game because of the killer calls and he's like oh fuck 
you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's carried this bounty hunter yeah, across yeah. the table and he's going <laughs> to die in the cold anyway. And he's like, oh, these, these classifieds were, you know, I, I think yeah. I had two HVT classifieds and telemetry and telemetry mm-hmm. was the only one I could do because the other two related to, you know, being in base contact with the HVT at the end of the game. And then another one was like, do two forward observes on the HVT. That's a really good point. That, that ability to use um, spotlight as a reaction yeah you just get, to get a classified done now because yeah. that, that didn't exist before you know mm-hmm. like fuck that hurts when like especially if it's um in a mission in a, in a game where like um like countermeasures or something where it's like haha i got it and now you can't get it you know what i mean like it's oh, done yeah fuck that hurts like uh yeah i'd i'd like to see them change the classifieds just in the context of what we've got as a new edition you know it feels to me like it it should definitely have happened. It's interesting you say that because I, you know, Nick and I have had that conversation on a previous episode where we think that we, I don't particularly like the classifiers as they are now. I'd like them to change them. And I've heard mm-hmm. on other podcasts people say the same thing. They want the classifiers deck to be changed, um, updated. You know, mm-hmm. Really, just a full overhaul. Actually, is what mm-hmm. I like to see yeah, the, the classifieds. And I, know, is- I'm, I am kind of surprised that it hasn't happened with the new edition, particularly mm-hmm. where you look at the ITS document that's got a whole page dedicated to. Uh, making a, it work rata because the wording on half of them is wrong and yeah. it doesn't apply to n4 terminology so even from a business point of view right like it's something that every single player is going to buy you know what i mean like it's something you know like collectible card game like buy this everything you know every every month buy new cards this is like once every two years buy a deck but it just seems like and the amount of work it would take to do that it would take them you know, obviously they've got to think of the cards, but I can't imagine it's that much work to like create a new twenty minor missions to do. You know? mm. so. Yeah, I I agree. Um, would like to see a new classified deck. All right, well we've um we'll we'll get into some uh news, upcoming events, and we'll go over our challenges because it's a new month, so we've got a new challenge. But um, first of all, a quick uh update on the Vostok charity raffle. Raffle. Um, it is the new month. Um, and we haven't announced a winner yet, so um, apologies, that is an oversight on our part, uh, or my part, <laughs> but also um, I believe that it's actually still running, because the Lifeline backer hasn't actually ended, even though I said the end date was the 1st of November, so if you haven't donated yet, we're $100, we're only $100 away from our target, if we get to $1,000, then um, we'll be really, really psyched and, and pleased. And also, then it, it puts you in the running to win a Vostok and mm. steal it from next mum. So that's that's really what we want <laughs> to happen. I, I, I actually really hope my mum wins this. <laughs> she still needs so she, much money. So, like, it's, it's great. She'd be so, so pleased. Like, because I just, I, we've got, like, a, a family photo group, right, That where I post photos of my daughters doing stuff because I don't want to put all that stuff on Facebook. I've got like a WhatsApp group with people to send that to. And I just put the link into that group as well saying, Hey, this podcast that I'm, that I am on are running this charity raffle. Just chuck in some, chuck it, buy it, buy a ticket if you want. And the next day it was like, Lintool has donated $100. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. <laughs> Thanks mom. So yeah, like, um, yeah. Anyone who anyone who hasn't already donated, it's five dollars per ticket. With all proceeds going to Lifeline, uh, which is uh, like a suicide prevention uh, charity and, and me- mental health uh, charity, which is something that's really uh, important to us and, and, and to the world right now as we all come out of lockdown. Um, and it's also on, and the Foster has been painted by um, our very own host Julian, mm. the style of a T thirty four tank to represent the punishment that we put it through during the Sciacast testing. 
Um, so yeah, we'll probably leave it up for another uh, week or two, um, and then maybe do the actual draw on the next yeah, episode. We'll, we'll announce the um, the winners, or even draw them live on when we're recording the next episode, depending on how exactly we can figure out how to do that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a little bit of a admin thing on my my part. Um, and we now have uh, tag readers now on uh, online. It's it's live on Kickstarter. So yeah, so we're recording right now on um, November the fifth. Uh, and as it sits right now, they have raised three hundred twenty-six thousand six. Oh, sorry, three hundred. It just went up three, almost three hundred twenty-eight thousand Australian dollars, which is two hundred ten thousand euros of their one hundred thousand euro goal. So it's two hundred percent backed at the moment, which is great. Um, we're hitting some stretch goals and stuff like that. Is that your phone um, vibrating, Nick? It is. I'm going to turn that off. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> just throw it across the room. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna switch this off. Hey, power down. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, it's yeah, it's my wife just sending me Instagram reels. <laughs> she's sitting on the from, couch from next door, <laughs> from the next room, sending me Instagram reels. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, but you know the um, tag raid, the um, Kickstarter is going well. I mean, it took him maybe like 24 hours, perhaps, to get to the. Yeah, so that's great. Being funded, which is which is fine. I mean, you see some of this stuff blow up and get mm. funded in thirty seconds and that sort of thing. Um, I don't think um, necessarily Infinity is going to garner that type of attention. Um, I feel like it is a bit more of a slower burn than mm. when we had the Defiance yeah. um, Kickstarter, uh, but that's okay as well. You know, I'm mm. not sure if maybe it's to do with the, the appeal or um, it's it's quite it's quite different. Do you think people felt burnt by defiance because it took so long to get out but i, I think they did an excellent job on defiance um yeah. yeah i mean i got mine as two two separate shipments to be fair um but i so i've been i've been on a lot of kickstarters and i've seen a lot of them go pear-shaped and pretty much when they said that they'd get something we got it and we had a pandemic you know like when this kick when when defiance went live there was no COVID, and even through all that they were able to get it out to everyone, like all of it, in less than two years, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I can't was, remember. Yeah, it would have been no more than two years to get everything out, like all, including all the, the the stretch goals and stuff, which was far, which far exceeded what they expected. You could tell that it far exceeded what they expected because the 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 last stretch goals for the for the campaign <laughs> for Defiance fucking sucked. So yeah, right. clearly it went far beyond what they expected. You know? Like at the end, they're like, oh, fuck, let's just throw in a, a fucking badge. You know what I mean? So I think they did a really good job at getting it out fairly quickly, especially since they were like dealing with like cardboard as well as miniature. Like it wasn't all in-house. Like they had to deal with others as well. So um, from a like a faith in a, in a Kickstarter point of view, um, Defiance gives me heaps of faith that that they'll handle tag raid no issue my mm. my issue with tag raid is that it's tvc i just for me personally right um especially since they just brought out this brand new ubu this is what we're going to be using siocast right and I, like i i was convinced that it was going to be siocast right i think i'd even i'd even talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. saying that it's mm-hmm. going to be siocast that's what it's going to be with we because we, we haven't like got complete confirmation mm-hmm. but from what had been told to us and what yeah. had been set up to that point was was like they were sort of giving us the wink to say it's yeah. going to be we're just not saying it yet. Yeah. But then it's come out to, to be to be 
be this Chinese stuff. So, so, so look at it this way. Right? Firstly, in general, PVC is a material that gamers hate, um, especially Infinity style gamers. You know, we're a bit we're a bit snobby when it comes to miniatures. You know, oh, it's it's got to be metal. You know what I mean? Like, we're real particular about the quality of what we're getting. Um, and it wasn't that many years ago that Corvus themselves were like, we'll never go to plastic. <laughs> like that is something that they've definitely they've definitely said mm. because we all appreciate like what you can get out of a metal model, right? So they go on a cast and they've got some very good reasons for doing it. I totally understand from a business point of view, like they don't want to be so vulnerable to the cost of metal and shit like that. But wouldn't like if you've got like an entire community, right? And some people being like a bit on the fence. Wouldn't it make a lot of sense just from that point of view to be like, here's this Kickstarter with that material. So yeah. you can, you, you're going to get so much of it out into the community that way. They're going to see it. And they're going to be like, oh, man, this is actually pretty good or whatever. And then like, yeah, I, I just I think like Seacast, if that was what they're trying to champion for, for Infinity and, and this game is going to have models that are like compatible with Infinity to go to PVC, like who wants PVC? I, I, I've pledged, but I'm doing that pledge and I'll see how I feel sort of thing. Because for the, me... The, the core pledge? Yeah, I, I just did whatever. Like, I just did a pledge so I'm getting the updates and stuff like that. So I probably oh, sure. did a core, core pledge. But you can back out at any time up until the thing, right? So I'm sort of just keeping an eye on it. And the thing that, like, I get it because it's really clever from them is they're holding hostage a couple of models I really, really like behind this whole Kickstarter. Like, the... Ariadne and it's not Ariadne, but you know the Ariadne and um, um, Prospector. Mm-hmm. Like all I want to do is um, convert that into like Edge of Tomorrow with like the helicopter blade. I want that model so. Oh yeah, that's bad. the where is he? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It looks like a like yeah, a blackjack. Like I just I, think, I yeah. really want to change like convert that into the Angel of Verdun. So um, there's a couple of models that I'm like, you bastards! Mm. I really want these, but I also don't want to pay like $400 for the, the big pledge, which has everything. And the shipping is expensive. <laughs> shipping to Australia is like 50 euros. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy amount of money. So it's one of those things where like the initial highs, like look at all these cool models. I definitely want them because I'm, you know, obsessive and compulsive about this shit. But I'm also like, that is a lot of stuff for a game I won't play. Like I've, I've got, I bought Defiance. I went real heavy on that. I have never like played a game of it. I've got the models and love them. I use I use the Shaz models for Shaz, and I use a lot of the models in other armies, and that's why I bought it. And um, that's the kind of the lens I'm looking through this as well. Like, oh, I want these models for Infinity, as opposed to I want to play Agrade. So maybe I'm just um, you know my priorities are wrong, but that's that's sort of my, my it's just, just it, it's just know? different. Yeah, like it's it's not that the, in, in in terms of like the playability side of things as well. From uh, from the demo that we played on TCS mm-hmm. the other week, it is an easy game. It is a fun game. Mm-hmm. It's different to any other games have released before. Yeah, Infinity's hyper competitive, or well, not hyper competitive, but it's um, play Infinity in a, in a competitive setting. Mm-hmm. Aristea similar. You play that in a competitive setting. Defiance is a different thing again because mm-hmm. you play Defiance as a co op game, more like you would on a regular type RPG type yeah. sort of. Um, Sort of same sort of thing that you might play get up with the same group of people playing Dungeons and Dragons or something like that every couple of weeks. You do that. That's the sort of um, tick you get with Defiance. Mm. Um, whereas Tag Raid is much more the um, we're at the pub, mm-hmm. we're going to throw some dice while we're here kind yeah. of thing. 
Yeah. And and that's it. Like it's it's just different strokes. But like from a do I trust that they'll be able to handle this well? Yeah, I got I got complete faith in them. It's just, you know. What what yeah, what I think is um find different between um Tagrade and Defiance from a infinity player point of view is is I think every every miniature in Defiance already had a profile. It was mm-hmm. already, it was an existing yeah. miniature. What I'm ex- what I'm on I'm on two minds now, right? So on the one hand, there's all these miniatures that are gonna come out that are gonna give you brand new profiles to infinity, which excites me because I'm lo- I'm looking at like the Minescorp engineer and I'm like, is that just gonna be an engineer or is it gonna be a sp- particular type of engineer? We're looking at the new Dravot group Morat engineer who looks fucking amazing. So I'm like, I wonder what that profile is gonna be. But on the other hand, we've seen a couple of the profiles already now, and I'm like, well, these are kind of shit, so maybe I don't want the miniatures if the profiles aren't going to be very... I'm not going to see me myself yeah. using them. Like, in Defiance, I'll use them because, like you say, it's Shaz. It's already in the game. I'll use it. Whereas these ones, on the one hand, I'm like, yes, this is interesting, but on the other hand, if it's for an army I can't play or if the, I don't like the profile, then maybe I won't you won't back yeah. it at all. Or, so- or, or if, if someone who's only getting into it for in four purposes they don't might if they don't like the look of the profiles they're not going to buy it correct me if i'm wrong but like all the prospectors are, are one profile yeah like they all look different but yeah and the, and the same with the tags right there's yeah, like that's five right. different tags but it's one awful profile is that correct that's correct yes yeah yeah, yeah. In, so, in the in tag rate or in, yeah, yeah in like, tag in, rate. like when the, and when they transfer it to an infinity right like they they showed um, us that i don't think no, like they have. Trip? Yeah, they they've they've shown us the tags and they've shown us the prospectors yeah. and they're just generic. Uh, they're just yeah. generic profiles, except for I think the Morat one's gonna have its own special oh, special yeah, one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but the like other the four, trip hammer, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yay. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not very um, exciting to me. I'm I'm looking at going. It's maybe a bit better than an Anaconda, but that's only because it's got booty. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Like that's the only <laughs> thing that's good about it. For me, that tag. It fits snugly between the iguana and the anaconda in terms of shitness. So it is, <laughs> it is, it is better than the um, the iguana, but probably worse or on par with the anaconda. So that's like, there's like three tag. Like with that tag, there are three tags in the game that are probably not worth taking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the rest are definitely playable. So a bit of a bummer to see like you know, that that tag, but. Prospectors themselves look okay. Yeah, no, the prospectors look look, look like fun. I can definitely see them as being a, a Krakow analog um, mm-hmm. for for mm. a lot of factions, and and the Krakow everyone knows is is, is a beloved profile for for many um, vanilla um, factions. So I see these guys being no different. I just want to quickly go on a defense of Corvus after just shitting on them with the tag. Um, when you make like a generic profile, right, which is taken by a lot of armies, if you make it too good, it'll overpower. The personality of any army because people will take that they'll take that instead of the thing that's specific to the army so i get that they can't make it like it's a really awkward spot to be in um but if they make it you know too shit then you've got this issue so it's a really hard line for them to draw right because it needs to be something that doesn't break whatever army it goes into and the more armies it goes into the more likely it can it can break yeah certain things but it just feels so like like the why it has to have transmutation why couldn't it just have three Three structure and continually be that average profile instead of an average profile which feels probably a little bit too expensive for its points 
mm-hmm. then get worse. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. Uh, but hey, you know what? We've we've been wrong before. That's the beauty, beauty of, of mm. Infinity. We, we look at profile and say, I don't think that's very good. And then six months down the track, it's winning games. I mean, you know, think back to our discussion on military orders. I think mm. I was wrong about a lot of the things I said mm. during that episode after playing them a few uh, against them a few times. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, someone somebody will find gold in those profiles. Yeah, look- my, my my opinion isn't worth much these days. I'm a has been, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like I'm I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I am going to pledge. Um, I get like Gav, how you put money in and then so you get all the updates and stuff. I'm happy to just sort of see what comes through and what gets filtered um, through to me through Facebook and 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 Discord and that sort of thing, um, rather than getting all the emails and that. Mm. But. I'm gonna. I'm probably just gonna wait it out until maybe like the last couple of days of the mm. Kickstarter, and then see what it's summing up as. What the your platinum pledge level, which gets you everything, right? What that looks like. If there's anything in there that's really jumping out at me, then I'll decide if I want to um, back it. But at the moment, I'm 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 on the fence, leaning towards a no um, mm. for me. Uh, but like that's not not to say that won't change i'd really like to have they have they shown like high quality pictures of the pvc that they uh i mean i mean oh i mean painted yes but i mean that's hard are are they are they pvc or are they like metal that's the thing no we don't yeah we don't know if that's that's well we know well well, no we know we know that only the tags are the pvc the tags no no like what they've shown us though like they've shown us their studio quality ones which are usually in a better material i would assume Mm, i don't think it's out of pvc right most of it's all been painted it's probably like their 3d printed render um so maybe i mean like i like to keep pointing out i've got the megal i mean we've all got the megalodon right from defiance and i think Mm -hmm. that looks fine i haven't painted it or nothing yet but i mean i think it looks good Mm. so if it's if it's on that quality i'm not gonna i don't think people should be too disappointed but i mm. get it. if it's going to be a model you're going to have in your n4 army you'd want it to be the best yeah. quality i'd really it. really like to see like if it's a if they if they stand by it being a quality they're happy to produce in i think they should stand by that enough to show us high you know res images of what it looks like unpainted up close so that we can make a, a better call on it and and but we've all we've if it's if there's been no improvement since they did it with aristea then well, no, they, they have. There has been improvements in the Aristia. Yeah, there's been massive improvement. If you look at the original Aristia box set, it's it's shit. Yeah. And if you look yeah. at the the latest Aristia stuff, it's a lot better. And if you look at the Defiant stuff, it's it's a lot better. Yeah, I've got the scenery pack, which I think it's PVC, and that's like I've got one of the mm. guns in my hand, and it's I would say it, that's almost cast, Really, it's 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 pretty good. Mm. I've got no complaints on it. Um, anyway, we'll have to move on because we have only got five minutes left in the session and then uh, we'll get kicked out, so we'll have to start again. So um, what we can, we, we can either just... Yeah, just to fill the listeners in on that because we're cheap and nobody <laughs> wants to buy a premium subscription to Google Meets or something. Yeah. Um, we only get to, we, get, we get to do this in one hour blocks and then have to, <laughs> um, <laughs> have to yeah. start a new call. But... And, we, and we, we could do it on Discord, but we've had issues with Discord uh, sound being a bit um, suboptimal. So... We'll, we'll we'll press on. Um, actually, we might just I might just cut it here and then jump back on because we've got to do the yeah. challenges and then we'll get into the episodes. We'll have to do this oh, in three blocks. Cool. So that's okay with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. yeah. All right. All right. We'll be right back. We're back. Uh, so we just finished off talking about tag raid and uh, we're going to talk about upcoming events. There isn't very much to talk about there because there's not that many events going on right now. But there is the Brisbane Open that's happening tomorrow uh, up in up in Brisbane. So um, I mean. Um, 
it's uh, good luck to those guys or who are going up there. I, I I think they've they've got a fair few players. I think they might even have some people coming over from New South Wales, maybe. Or is that they are, it'd be cl- north? It'd be, it'd be north of them. Northern, yeah. I um, haven't heard anything about it. So just with, n- yeah, like yeah. our our border only just sort of opened up. So that's right. Pretty much yeah. everything's been a write off. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it'd be super exciting to see what those guys, uh, how those guys go tomorrow. Uh, sad I couldn't make up there, but there's always next year. Mm. Okay, so we'll get into the uh, channel. Sorry, I think oh. sorry, just on events, I'm sure I saw Rob post an oh, event over yeah. in um Canberra as well, Tim Finity coming up. Um Do you have it in front of you? I don't. I was I was just trying to search it. Um but that's okay. I might try and make that. Actually that's a good point. Yes. Um yeah, Rob is running his regular, semi regular Tim Finity events, which are um uh, real fun. It's what uh, Val and I went across to just before lockdown, I think it was. We had to get a, a COVID test. We had to isolate actually when we got back from Canberra. Um back in the when was that? Bloody May or something? Anyway, um yeah, that's that's running. I don't have the date for it. Um oh I will remind speaking of Val just to plug that again, there is a open day, a open games day happening down in Geelong on the twenty first. I want to say twenty first of November. Is that I've, the got, I've got the details here of um of Rob's event as well. Oh, okay, so. no, sorry, the twentieth, the twentieth um, of November is um, Val's thing happening down in Geelong. Uh, that's on Facebook, or hit up um, Val for details on that. That should be super fun. I'll definitely hit him up because I'm keen. Yeah, and then what were you well. saying? Uh, what what dates the Tim Timfinity 27 Frozen Roads, Saturday the 27th of November. Ah, so the week after, um, next so, Yeah, uh, and uh, three rounds, two lists, 300.6 SWC, the uh, standard fare, mm-hmm. um, with frontline decapitation and countermeasures. Mm, nice. I like that lineup. Yeah, so do I. Um, so definitely check that out. From the post that uh, that Rob put up when he shared it, he's, he's keen to get some people from out of town coming along as well. So if you're able to uh, to make the trek to Australia's great national capital, then um, yeah, yeah those, those guys are a, a really nice bunch of bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. And the store at Jolt Games is really good as well. They have good terrain, and um, there's a pub not far up the road where sometimes we we go for well, where we went last time we were there. And there, the guys are very hospitable. So. Um, might even try and get there myself if they let us in. Okay, so into the challenges. So we are in a new month. Uh, so the October challenge and the Need for Speed has ended, and we have a winner. So congratulations to our own Ben um, for his submission. Uh, he gets to win a uh, blister of of his choice. And uh, as we mentioned on the previous episode, um, particular entries that we found um, well, uh, well, interesting or or good. Uh, we will give a shout out on the show and give a patch, a limited edition Lost of Lieutenant patch. So thanks to uh, Rob Cantrell for his um, ever amazing video battle report recaps, which are there they are, which are super informative. Um, highly encourage anybody out there who's looking to pick up their game uh, or even just learn a bit more about the rules to check out Rob's um, video battle reports. He goes into a lot of uh, analysis um, on um, you know deployment list composition uh, choices that he made choices his opponent made um, and uh, yeah it's a very it's a very it's good a, analysis it's a high, high quality analysis yeah yeah definitely and it's you know it comes in about an hour um, <clears throat> and it's really it's, yeah it's really good to listen to so I'm um, highly highly encourage that and then um, Jordan 
uh, Brezer, also known as, excuse me, <coughs> yeah, Jordan Brezer, also known as Obiscus um, uh, from Canada, he um, also wins a patch for his um, his battle reports. He he usually enters every month, and um, his battle reports are very um, very high quality. So congratulations to him um, for his uh, battle report, which was actually quite interesting as well because. He he also simultaneously entered the Bromad Academy challenge where they were doing a cool challenge where you take a model that you would normally find in a link team and run it solo. So he combined our challenge and, and their challenge by taking a shock army, yeah, shock army, and he ran a solo Bagmarie HMG. So it, it fits the you know you'd normally find that in a link team in shock army, but because it's um, also has terrain total, it benefits from the our challenge was so a bit more mobile and he also had a orc varuna division or the shock army division orc with the climbing plus so again a model you might find only in the link team and he also used it in in uh, for our battle report and it was uh, it was it was an interesting use of it because i think it has a multi-rifle um as well so it's it's a good good piece that you don't often see running around on its own um so congratulations to him uh, you guys both win a Loss of Lieutenant Patch. And we'll, we'll uh, slide into your DMs to figure out uh, how to get those to you as well. So stay posted. <laughs> yeah, so now we're into uh, our November challenge. We have a new challenge. And Ro- and Gav, you have been asking for this challenge for a number of months now. So why don't you, uh, why don't you talk about the November challenge? Uh, how long have I been hassling you for this? Okay, so, <laughs> since N4, since N4 yeah. came out, right? So the November challenge is unlimited insertion. You've heard it right. Uh, all of it, not just the tip. So play a game uh, using free mode. Uh, tell us what you think. Um, you know, show, share meme lists, uh, just discussion on what you thought of it. Um, did you have any opinions of, of what was going to happen going in? that were changed or were they confirmed, that sort of stuff. Um, as somebody who has championed um, this this uh, format, there were some things that I, I thought that definitely changed after I played them. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something that uh, people have got a lot of opinions on, but not a lot of people have actually played in for like this. So I'd like to hear people's thoughts on this. I'm super keen to hear the responses to this one. Yeah, and I think it will um, uh, produce a lot of uh, varied lists i think i think you know when you come into this initially people are like okay how many you know how do i make a 20 20 30 order list and let's just let's see how this looks and then you kind of realize that no and i'm just making trash lists yeah. um yeah yeah and what i found from just experimenting is a lot of my lists just come down to maybe being 17 18 or like maybe 17 orders mm-hmm. which is only two more than what we get in uh, 15 so it 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 does to well f- to me as far as theory crafting go show that 15 orders is actually about right for the majority of armies yeah so i i i've actually i i was about to, i had a tournament that was going to run that was unlimited insertion and then covid hit so i had to cancel it and you had a few people that were trying to break the game which is totally fine that was part of what i wanted to see i wanted to mm. see people who thought that it would be busted at that level and and you know take whatever they wanted right to see if they could and most of the lists I saw, I was like, that just looks dumb to me. Like, yeah, you know, it needed to be played, obviously, to see. But it looked a lot like, okay, firstly, how are you going to finish in time? Because you still need to finish your game. And, and secondly, it was a lot like, like any skew list. It was like, I get what you're doing, and if you 
if you if you get your gambit, it works and you know you're a big brain player, but can you consistently do that with that list? And I just didn't see that happening. And the other thing was when when N4 came out, I was, you know, wailing about the injustices to um the US Ariana specifically, um, um amongst other things. I my list that I was going to be playing was US Ariadna. And what I found was um, compared to other armies, because a lot of the other armies had a lot of like points drops because a lot of their armies were like heavy infantries and stuff like that. I found that like US Ariadna kind of fell off even without um, the, the, the 15 troop limit because the units that got buffed, the unit types that got buffed were not, units that area like that us were taking anyway so i was like huh a lot of like the the issues i had with ariadna were with us ariadna were were obviously the troop cap but was also like looking back at it going oh these other armies raised because you know tags got cheaper heavy infantry got cheaper but us didn't really do that anyway so like a lot of my complaints were, were were aimed specifically at the troop cap when 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 building the list i realized that that might not necessarily be the primary issue I had with it, it wasn't it wasn't limited insertion that was doing US Ariadna wrong. It was US Ariadna that were doing US Ariadna wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like if you yeah, to, to summarize, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, they I thought they sucked because it was N4, and then I was like, oh no, they kinda do anyway. Because your 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 choices are your choices above outside of the unknown ranger for quality trips are the Minutemen. Yeah, which aren't quality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a lot, a lot of it is that, right? Like, so yeah, that was one one sort of like preconceived idea that I had, which changed when building lists. I was like, oh, yeah, it, it felt the big the big difference is I wasn't feeling the edges. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take this specifically because it's in the point range that I have to be at. I was taking things that I wanted, which to me feels better. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, like it it didn't solve all the problems I thought it would. That's the main like takeaway. I thought that just removing that order cap would solve the problems as I saw them and for it, for US. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't. So. <clears throat> mm. You know, it'll be, it will certainly be an interesting and an interesting challenge. I've got about half a dozen lists sitting on my phone at the moment that I'm um, gearing up to gearing up to try. So I'm excited excited for that. I will say that like um, playing Bakunin. Um, makes me kind of like sympathetic to having a, a fifteen trooper cap. Um, oh, right, yeah, because, okay. Fuck, man. Like, um, the the lists I've got that are at fifteen troops, and if I I could just like remove some of the the chaff, like the extra bloat to like put streamline into the stuff like Morlocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I, I get it. Like Morlocks, double Chimera, and then just fill out like a ten order group of you know what yeah, you normally take. Yeah, the, the things you can do without that that restriction. With yeah, the points with the points drops because like they're heavies and stuff like that. And yeah, in fact, the moderators link with with right girls is pretty strong. I kind of I kind of feel like for something like say combined army is you could you could almost take a combined army list that you would be taking an in for currently, mm-hmm. and just add four or five gakis to it, mm. and it was yeah. and you wouldn't really diminish your 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 regular order pool, yeah. but you'd gain four cheap expendable. But very very effective warband units. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm which, seeing happening. Happening, which to me goes to the crux of what the actual issue was for me, me was was AVA. Like mm. you know, I think if they, you know, hit the AVA of those problem units, the warbands that were causing that issue that you're speaking about, I think you would have 
solve most of the issues I had anyway. So, mm. but I'm super keen to see what people think of it, um, and whether they hate it or like it, or if um, an idea they had was challenged or proved. Somebody on the on the comments actually made a suggested something or, or had an idea that he says, "Well, are do both players play this way?" Like both I think players, I, I think that, you you, you that, word word your opponent up. The idea yeah. being, let's let's imagine Gavin had his fucking you know his monkey paw and was able to you know remove remove that restriction. Would it be shit or would it be good or would it be about the same? Yeah. You know? So as long as the, the opponent knows, I don't but think, then and also I don't think it's necessarily like if you rock up to a game and you just try and surprise your opponent with this. Yes. Oh yeah, don't do that. That's no. completely different, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like if you, it's if like, you hey, just, I'm cheating. If, if you bam, <laughs> if you bamboozle your opponent with this, like anything, if your opponent isn't prepared for it, they're going to get like because nobody is thinking about outside of that, right? So nobody is thinking about having to deal with eight Galwegians. Yeah. So like that totally changes what you value as well. Like MSV two snipers are far more valuable if you're taking twenty troops because you don't want those eight war bands running up on you. So, yeah. I, so you I definitely need this, to tell your opponent. This um this challenge then does make it a little bit different than the previous ones we've done, which has been more to do with just changing something in the way that you play, whereas yeah. this is changing how the game yeah. is played. Yeah. But just like yeah. a day before you play your opponent, be like, hey, I want to do this. Are you keen? And that doesn't mean they have to go 20 troops. They just need yeah. to be aware that that restriction is or lack of restriction is there. That's right. And that's kind of the point uh, well, I want to get to there was like, if your opponent wants to play 10 orders, then let mm -hmm. them play turn orders. Just let them mm -hmm. know that I might be bringing seventeen to twenty orders, yeah. and let, and then that's another good example of 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 you know how if is it is it fun? You know, it, some people complain that it wasn't fun to play against. Is it still the case in N four, or have the changes to the game made it more bearable, like changes to crits and and mm. whatnot? So that'll be yeah, definitely. Um, well, I'm just curious if like all the other changes that they had, if that was enough, or if this one was needed as well. I'm just curious to see what happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. sure. we're not gonna we're not gonna get an answer we're gonna get a lot of you know conflicting ideas but i'd be just keen to see people try it as opposed to just you know take take cb on their word that it needed to be done agreed uh so we also have our quarterly challenge uh get get her done so we talked about that earlier on the show with um you guys doing uh, getting some projects finished so uh, a reminder to you listeners out there we you have until the end of the year to get something done and as we've said before it doesn't have to be uh, the biggest thing it can be a model if you're not you know just whatever just set yourself a, a goal and complete it by the end of the month we've had a few submissions in yeah. already um, yeah, yeah. just something something I want to mention to our listeners out there uh, please don't send us anything don't don't send us before photos now like wait until the end of the year. Send send us um send it all in one email because if you send us a before photo now, and then in three months time you send us the after photo, I'm gonna have to scroll through and search through my email for the before and after photos. Just just leave it and just send us in one go. And if you can also please send it as an attachment. I sound like Maya cast here, but please send it as an attachment. Um, something that we can um, save in a folder under your name, which makes things a lot easier as well. And uh, and uh, also um, we did say it doesn't it it, it should probably be infinity um, <clears throat> Rob Cantrell uh, but if it's not then we're not going to uh, burn you at the stake either um, just you know do you something just won't win you just won't win uh, yeah so it's just a reminder there to you guys and the winner uh, of the challenge will win a small box set of their choice at the end of the year to celebrate 
Um, I think I have. I think I have said before what I'm doing. I think I keep saying I'm doing defiance, and I haven't actually done it yet. So um, get get a start on. You really need to get a start on that. I, I, all this talk when we were talking earlier about the um, Kickstarter stuff, I bring, I brought up the old Kickstarter page from Defiance, and I'm looking through all the miniatures and everything that I've actually got now sitting in the box because I haven't opened any of it. I'm sort of <laughs> leaning closer towards opening it up, so yeah, there's there's, a lot, there's some good models in there. Yeah. I'm I, I'm actually I've, I've I've committed I'm going to start selling some of them now, um, just to kind of reduce the the amount of models I have, um, my anxiety over painting them. The ones I'm probably never going to use, I'll just probably you know sell. And the ones I might use, I will keep in paint. I reckon that's how I'm going to go with it. Um, what else? All right. Well, that's it. We're pretty much on the tables. Done to uh, get into our main segment. Um, mm. But as we are still confined to the old Google Meets, we might as well uh, do a refresher on this. Have a quick break. Have, have a quick right break, back. and we'll be right back. All right, folks, uh, for the last segment of the show, we are, or the main segment of the show, we're um, going to be getting into talking about table design. So uh, I just want to preface this by mentioning why we're talking about this. Um, over the last, I guess, I don't know, like few episodes, it's been a bit of a common thread. Um, also, as the pandemic has ended and we've been seeing more people play in person, there's been... Uh, it's been, I guess, more out there in the in the community. We've, we've more, seen more and more posts coming yeah. up on WCG and Infinity Australia and, and all the different pages you go to. More and more posts of um, events where mm-hmm. you're seeing all these different tables and different designs. And like there was that event, was it in France? Yeah, uh, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Actually, I was I forgot I was going to mention him. Yeah, and like these tables just look absolutely spectacular like every single one of them was amazing but then in terms of like playability you're like ooh, I'm not, mm. not so sure these look amazing but how do they play yeah and um and that sort of thing so yeah so we just wanted to kind of yeah um kind of go through i guess our thoughts on on table design what we think is important um you know having myself run a few events gav of course you know run running um events um having uh, opinions on that so um I guess we'll just get stuck into it. So, table design, um, it obviously is is very important in Infinity, given most of us, at least I, getting gotten in, into Infinity, drawn in by the immersive tables. So, without terrain, I mean, without terrain in most games, right, you're not really having a game, unless you're mm. playing, I don't know, War Machine. We've all seen those War Machine tournaments where it's yep. a... Which has got a tablecloth and a like a circle in the middle, and that's it. Yeah, um, but I mean that, that works for War Machine, right? Because yeah, of the sure. way, because of the way it's played. Um, yeah. You couldn't do that in Infinity because of the way Infinity is designed, right? So, terrain is a super important part of the game, and um, it needs to be given careful consideration. Um, and there's a whole lots of whole lots of uh, uh, ways in which that can be. Um, fucked up i guess yeah yeah the thing about the rest of infinity is it's all pretty black and white the profiles don't change um yeah the the target numbers don't change the missions don't change they all do the same thing the big variable uh the two big variables in most games of infinity are your opponent and and the table that you happen to be um you know put onto so um there's been a few tables Sorry. Um, there's been a few tables at a few events that I've seen, which you know you've heard stories about, and the the TO's been you know told after a round or two you need to pull this table because 
um, it's it's not creating it, you know, an enjoyable game, or it's clearly one sided. Where if somebody has the right tools, um, then it's 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 no longer a game. It's 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 almost like a foregone conclusion. So obviously, tables should be designed in a way that they can reward, you know, different styles. We're not saying that, but like they still need to feel like there's a game that needs to be played and it's not decided before deployment. Yeah, and, and Infinity is one of those um, games, you know, you compare that to, uh, you know, stories I hear about Warhammer 40k where you throw down, a, you know, on your opponent and you look across at what they've got and you just go, well, I've lost. That doesn't happen in Infinity, but it, it can to an extent if you rock up to a table and you look at the table and you're like, well, if I'm going second, I'm dead. And this, I guess, feeds into the broader conversation we had earlier about null deployment and alpha striking. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. if you have a table that is so dense that an alpha strike just, you know, that you uh, your person who goes first just can't, uh, excuse me, attack. Or if you have a table that's so, so sparse that if you go second, your stuff's just going to get shot. Then mm-hmm. neither of those are, are, are good tables. Um, no. No, and 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 I guess the the discussion about like I guess where on the spectrum of a table should should most tables try to try to try to be, I think it's an important conversation um, that we're hoping to try and try and get to tonight. And also, um, uh, we're you know a lot of us have been playing on TTS lately um, as well, and um, I think having the having access to a lot of pre-built tables um, where you don't have to think about it, uh, someone else has made it and it's been played by thousands of people online they create um tables that you don't really think about you know is this table set up well oh everyone's been playing on it we'll just you know we'll just play on it and also because tts offers so many ways in which you can set up a table it's 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 it basically it's it's um uh, on you know there's limitless options on on table design in in the virtual world whereas when you go into the real world there there are limitations on what terrain you have available in your community what terrain you have available your you know personally yourself um so it's it's yeah we want to talk about how important it is i I think tts um kind of exposes um like a lesson when it comes to table design um tts they're all digital assets. You can create as much as you want, right? And what I've seen in a lot of cases is people make these really complex and like cool to look at thematic tables, but they, they're either far too cluttered or far too complex to play a game effectively on. Um, obviously, as, as people get more experience with that, they're probably winding that back. But I've definitely seen people, um, you know, overcomplicate a table for the sake of, because they've got unlimited resources when creating it. Whereas when you create a table um, in real life, you've got, you know, physical constraints, like how much, you know, usually you want it all in, a, in one case, you know, you want one box for one table. So you're, you're far more limited um, on, on what you can put on a table. But I think that actually cr- can create, um, I think that like breeds innovation because then you're more judicious with how you apply the terrain to the table as opposed to oh, well, I've got okay. as much I've got as much as I, I want I can just put it here 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 and there and then you end up with like too much terrain especially in an edition where where cover is so favorable mm-hmm. whereas whereas when you've got the table like the physical spots you've only got so much you can't just create a new asset so um yeah what, yeah sorry you go you I was just going to say in general I think um Less is usually more when it comes to this. My, my lens isn't necessarily for like thematic play. 
um, although I am a big fan of that. My favorite table is this corridor table I've got. And I, to this day, and I've tried a lot, cannot make it work as a tournament table. I've been trying mm. for two, two fucking years to make this a table that I can play on as a tournament table. And just the way it is being corridors, which means there's certain spots where things are funneled, no matter how cool it looks, it's really, really hard um, to create a game where one side doesn't feel like um, like a certain, uh, like say there, there might be one um, firefight which kind of decides the game mm. because whoever dominates what happens in that instance like flows onto the rest of the game. Yeah. So, so my, my thoughts on, on tables when it comes to an enjoyable and relatively balanced experience is... Um, um, is to, to, to pull back a lot of like the, the weirder um, things um, and, and rules. Uh, I know a lot of people will say, well, I'm paying points for multi-terrain or something like that. And, and to that, I would counter, give me one unit that you're taking specifically because it has multi-terrain, not because it's already a Kamau fucking sniper. You know what I mean? Like people who, who argue, like terrain, terrain skills, if they cost anything, they cost a point. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to, you know, like uh, a Zanshi costs a point extra than it should because it has slightly better close combat. So, like, yeah. we can, we can, I, I don't think that's a, a fair argument. Like, to, the way I look at terrain skills are they, they're a nice to have um, when they incidentally come up as opposed to going, well, I need to justify creating an entire table that favors water terrain because these units paid for aquatic terrain. Mm -hmm. um, because, um, okay, let's say you do do that, but neither of the, the Kamau players play on that. Now you've got two people who are like um, wasting time trying to figure out how to, to navigate that table. And, and as a TO, what I want to see is I want to see people um, playing each other as opposed to playing the table. The table should not be their enemy as far as I'm concerned. It should be two players putting obstacles in front of each other as opposed to um, somebody going, how am I going to unfuck what this table has done to me? Because there's, I don't know, a giant river in the way, which is going to take, you know, six orders just to get through. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'm, I think we, we, we've set this up deliberately, right? Because I sit mm -hmm. on the opposite spectrum yep. of the terrain debate to you, but I mm -hmm. want to see what Nick thinks in general about weird tables or tables which are, you know, weird or not weird or simple or not simple. And um... I, I mean, I, I guess like what Gavin said, how he he would he likes you like theme tables, but want to lean towards something that doesn't. If you've got a spectrum, right, that is theme on this end, and then playability mm -hmm. on 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 the other end, um, I think you can compromise in playability for for a theme because mm -hmm. it does. Um, not necessarily having to integrate loads of special rules into it necessarily, but if, if the table tells a story and it's somewhat more complicated because of that, um, I think that's a compromise that I would be willing to make because it uh, then will enhance the game experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, I mean, we, we always talk about this in a, in a competitive, in a competitive environment, right? Um, but if you, if you look at a, um, and I know this, I'm quoting you when I say this, Gav, that um, when you are running a tournament for 100 people, you're not running it for the two people that are at the top table. Mm -hmm. You're running it for the 98, 98 other people who are having yep. a good time. Yep. yep. Um, 
And if having a table that tells a story and has got might be a little bit tougher to play on, um, but not like not too far in that direction, I suppose. There, there is there is a there is a balancing act that you that you need to 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 look at when you consider that. And, and what's going to happen there? Um, like my, so I I only have one table, right? Um, it's a dense cityscape. It is it is a dense table. It also has a lot of verticality on it, um, but the density uh, kind of is is one way, in my opinion, counters the verticality because sure you've got lots of tall buildings, but even if you're at the tallest building, because there's so many other tall buildings on there, you can't see absolutely everywhere. Um, so that those kind of counter each other. Yeah. Um, and I actually, using... and I was going to say about that table on the on the on the spectrum thing, right? It, it it's dense because it tells a story. But you know what I hate seeing is someone's gone. Oh, I've made a well, not hate, but you know, here's my city table. It's got three buildings in it. I'm like, that's not a city. Like yours is a city because it kind of it kind of has a flow of a city. You know, it's got alleyways and it's got roads, and the buildings are close together as if they would be in a in a in a city. So so you have that. You kind of have to. In order to make it this way, you've got to make it a certain. You've got to make it thematic to make it play the way it's supposed to play. In which case, you then are leaning into that density or that kind of terrain skills in order to make it work as a story. Yeah, I'm just I'm like I've got because I've got a photo of my table so that I set it up the same way each time, and I'm just having a count of like in terms of small, medium, and large size buildings. I've got two, maybe two and a half, maybe yeah, two or three large buildings two or three medium-sized buildings and, like, four small buildings on there as well. Um, I set it up on what is a table that's got roads on it, but I put vehicles on those roads and not small vehicles either. Like, I've got, like, these, like, full, like, bus that's, like, mm-hmm. a foot and a half long. Um, so that can help counter some of those fire lanes that you get from going straight down a full length of road. Um, a few other things like that, to trucks as well. Like Like, these vehicles are not s2 vehicles these are sorts of things that can almost um conceal a not probably not a tag but size sort of three or four or three four five size five that's tall <laughs> uh units can can get full cover behind these types of vehicles um so well, yeah so so to be clear when when i say that um you know like uh, function over form. I'm not saying that like every table has to be, you know, that that cardboard Corvus belly you know, blocks on blocks on blocks. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like, um, but that stuff makes good tables too, though. I'm right? not. Yeah, of course. Like I, as a tournament organizer, there is nothing better than when I see one of those tables set up because my job is done. Like it's very hard for somebody to fuck that up in a way that I'm going to cop heat for it. Um, whereas if somebody has very custom terrain or very specific vertic- vertical stuff, um, is almost always going to be something I need to like spend extra time looking at Yeah, because, because there's probably something that's going to burn an opponent, which I'll, I'll hear about. Um, or, or if ter- terrain rule heavy tables, if somebody like insists on that, um, that can, can cause issues as well. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to talk about like a game I played as a player. And why, if if somebody was traveling for that, I could understand why they'd be a little bit, you know, bummed by it. So, um, amazing event that I went to with 
you were there too, Kev, and you were there. Um, and you were up there in, <laughs> up in Queensland. Um, uh, Hurricane, Hurricane, yeah, Hurricane. So I don't know if you remember, but that mission list was real fucking awkward. There was like five different missions, and yeah, you really like, needed. It was like countermeasures, looting and sabotage, uh, front lines, supplies. There was and. <laughs> Uh, attacking the oh, fuck, that's looking um, sabotage, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, looking sabotage and frontline, it's lo- yeah. looking sabotage and countermeasures alone yeah, can yeah. create an, yeah. uh, conflict. Yeah. So there was honestly, it would have been it was very difficult to write two lists for it, right? Um, for that that um, for me, that was very difficult to write two lists for that um, tournament. Anyway, I was playing um, shock army and looting and sabotage. That's very difficult um, to, to get, and this is in N3 especially. Um, so I had specifically for that mission, I had the Montessa, right? Yeah. Um, so I've taken a mobile unit that can close combat that. It's pretty much the only option I've got, right? So an entire list um, dedicated to that, that mission, um, and I ro- rock up to the table for that mission, and the entire table was fucking 0G. So mm. this this unit, which literally wouldn't have been in my army anyway, which um, was for like that whole list was designed for that mission, and I have a a, a unit that can't move. You know, has to move four four yeah. across the whole table um, to to try and to try and do that mission was a real big like. Well, I'm super glad that you've got a sphinx who can just fucking multi terrain, and you're taking it anyway, and being able to do that. So. I really take issue when people talk about, well, you need to reward somebody for taking a terrain skill. When I'm like, you're taking that unit anyway. There's no stakes in that. If you're taking a unit specifically for the terrain skill, I'll I'll cede to your side of the argument. But I don't see that actually. So what I see is people going, well, I'm taking this unit. I want an extra benefit, and I'd I'd prefer um, that to be an incidental buff. So instead of say. On that table, say for instance, instead of the whole table having specific areas where where there's an option, as opposed to you are now su- at such an, a disadvantage for no real reason. So yeah, I had that in the game, and like it was fine. I played the game, and I yeah, I must have won that game because I, I won that event. So I don't know how I fluked that, but um, you know, that's old Gavin who knew how to play. Um, and, and that was and also perfect. Like that was also N three as well. So the train the train rules have become less. Um, Less, what's the word? Fucked, I, I guess, in N4. Yeah. I think yeah. they're, they're slightly less, more forgiving, I think. Or yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd have to look at the specifics of, of that situation and how it would play out. The thing is, bikes but I get you. have multi-terrain, so, so it wouldn't have fucked me like it did back then, so whatever. Mm. But my point being, like, those things can happen when you bring in, like, terrain rules and you're assigning this sort of, like, well, I'm trying to get my money's worth out of a skill sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I also had another game where there was these little bushes um like pot plants and and they they decide to use them as oh low vis sat zones low vis sat zones right? yeah shit me fucking shit me in the head no and i was and like my opponent was like oh yeah well, like he, he he was pushing for like well yeah we'll use them as low vis sat zones and i should have like figured out then that like clearly he, he had an angle because he was real passionate about it right <laughs> but I, I was just like yeah yeah no worries and then he deploys a fucking kamau sniper behind it this is in third edition and i'm yeah. like so I'm like a n- negative a million to hit and you're just ignoring all these mods. You know what I mean? Like, so, and, and that's not a unit that needed a buff. You know what I mean? So that's my issue when you like, 
you put in these special terrain rules, not like the design of the table, but when you you add terrain rules to a table uh, with the idea, well, I'm going to make this a harder game. It's like, no, because what you're doing is you're letting the, the rules do the heavy work for one of the players. Like the heavy lifting is being done by the rules there, not by two players who are on even footing and who are, who are improvising by what their opponent put on them. They're just like, oh, I've got the right unit, the right spot because table. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I want to pull the conversation out a little bit and we'll go into... Because um, this this is good, but what we want to talk mm -hmm. about is, I guess, is what makes a, a good table. Because table? I, yep. I, I have some thoughts on what you've said before yes. because because uh, that was what... you know we're, we're talking N3, we're talking like over a year ago and I do believe that the community at large, at least... Um, and I think TTS is somewhat part of this change, this shift, in that I think a lot more players have softened to terrain rules in general, in part due to TTS's ability to just be like, here's a forest, mm. here's a fucking lava river. But, and also, like, when you're playing right. a tabletop simulator, you move your mouse over that piece of terrain, and it pops up and tells you what the rule is. It, mm. it, it does, but, but... I don't have to remember that, oh, shit, yeah, mm -hmm. that pond, uh, if I'm walking, if I my base touches it, I've got to stop moving, if because it's a water piece yeah. that I've touched, or if I'm shooting through that um, through that forest, there it's going to be neg one burst. Whereas when I'm playing in TTS and I'm using the the drag and drop line measurement to mm -hmm. see where my fire shot is actually going, and it shows that it's going through that piece rather than just me using my uh, my yeah line sure sight. it's it's different it's a different environment and it's more conducive to the play. I also think that like the N four rules themselves uh, encourage terrain and different terrain in a way they didn't before because N3 yeah. cover was very bind, you know, like you need to have 33% or whatever it was. Was it 25? Fuck, I can't third, remember. It was, a third, it was a third, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So whereas now like you're touching terrain, you're in cover, right? That opens up using woods and stuff like that. And that's a great thing because before I would I hated creating tables with trees on it because the cover thing was super awkward, right? Yeah, I agree. Whereas now it's like, oh, it's easy. So, you know, yeah, so I, I think I think great. the mood. I think, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think the mood is is definitely softened um, mm. on 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 terrain. Um, but we'll I guess we'll get into that. But I think and I think TTS is is in part um, responsible for that for that shift for that encouragement mm -hmm. of like, hey, let's play on a let's play on Mount Doom, right? And people are like, yeah, fuck, that sounds like fun, and um, it's just feels easier to do yep. uh, but we'll get into what is what makes a good table rather than saying yep. like well this yep. is this is what makes a bad table let's, yep. let's talk about what makes what make when you're designing a table what do you think of um to to in order to create a positive play experience for both players so the first thing i i think of with a table is is the deployment zones they're really important to me more so than the rest of the table because you can fuck up the rest and you can get away with it 100 but, but if you fuck up a deployment zone um it can just make the game miserable what i really don't want to see is somebody being able to from one corner of a deployment zone look all the way down the other end of the deployment zone um because um you, you know there are certain units that have the speed where they can they can flank and then shoot all the way down at everything out of cover and it and, and it's miserable so usually what i like to do is is split up a deployment zone with on the backboard edge something blocking so that you cannot see from one side or the other. That's like a minimum standard for me. Yeah, you will be surprised how many times on WGC or any of the other social media out there, I'll look at me like, why is there no terrain touching any edge of any corner? Like not just mm -hmm. the, not just the mm -hmm. DZ, like even the sides. Mm -hmm. You're like, yep. what the fuck? 
Yeah, and the side as well. I mm-hmm. generally like to have something roughly around the deployment edge, something blocking at least one of them. Uh, and the reason, twofold. Firstly, it prevents somebody from just flanking all the way in, um, like straight down a side, but it also allows somebody with a drop troop on the other side to see an appealing spot for them to place their drop troop Absolutely. if they want to walk it in. So it's one of those things where when I look at a table, like when I'm looking at a table on what side I'm going to take, if I see some somewhere that's really good for me to drop my drop troop, I might take the other side because I'm like, okay, that's my my avenue of attack in. So deployment zones, I like to see um, two or three sp- places in a deployment zone at least where there are, where I can defend a model at least. I can put a model somewhere and it's going to take somebody a little bit of work to get to. Um, that way, certain valuable targets of mine, hopefully, you know, like, you know, there's, there's ways around it, but hopefully that they, they survive at least into my turn to, to, to be effective. Um, I like to see, uh, I don't necessarily like to see deployment to deployment zone fire lanes, although I'm not, you know, I don't necessarily hate them, but like, I like to see, um, say from my deployment zone, I can see just outside your deployment zone. Um, so that there's a few lines where, um, is this from ground level or talking, are you talking from a vantage points here? Doesn't matter. Okay. I, yeah. I'll do either. It doesn't really, like, I don't really care one way or the other, like height to me, is irrelevant necessarily. It's about the line that that model can see down. Um, I find that like it is far stronger if you can give somebody a line that from the bottom can see all the way to an opponent's deployment zone. The reason for that is let's say you've got a line from my deployment zone to my opponent's, right? And it's on ground floor. There's far less of my opponent's models that can see the spot that my model's at which means my yeah. defensive piece, right, is only locking down the specific lane that I want it to um, because the, the weakness of a defensive piece is you put it up and if you put it, say, right up and it can see everything, your opponent goes, I have the power right now to bring my most effective weapon to bear against that um, and usually means it just gets, you know, obliterated. And that's why I don't think from a, like, how to deploy point of view, I, that's something I don't do. But I want to see one or two really good fire lanes, which don't have to necessarily um, prevent somebody from walking out of their deployment zone, but they do prevent them from walking from their deployment zone area roughly to that midfield easily. So they have to burn some water. So I like to see that on both sides. And the other thing I like to see on a, on a table is I like to see some um, disparity. I like to see one side that is clearly better than the other. And clearly better doesn't mean that one side's busted and one side's, you know, it just means that one side has got something that makes it appealing. I don't both, like both sides need to be playable. Both sides one hundred percent need to be playable, but I do I do like to see one side's like this has something going for it. Whether it be in say a mission like supplies where there's three crates, right? There might be um, two of those crates which are easier to get to from one side of the board. Um, whereas or is one, it defend or you've got better cover it, yeah, from certain it, angles if yeah, you exactly. choose one side or the other or something, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like it's broken. Not, it's, it's not necessarily that this 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 table this deployment zone is the one you can castle in and this is the one that's got all the cover. The other yep. one's got nothing. It yes. can also encompass the rest of the table. Yeah, and, and, and in that example I was talking about, it's like because there's three three objectives, two are slightly favoured to one of the one of the sides and one to the other. Yeah. is roughly what I'm looking at. Or it'll be something like one heavily favours one side and the other two are fairly 
you know neutral neutral yeah so yeah i i really dislike seeing tables that are like super where there's no decision to make it's just like i'll take whatever i don't like seeing that yeah i think i think that's something i really want to um to use a wank phrase drill down on because i've had conversations online about this a fair bit about um i Oh, hang on, I'm getting feedback on my microphone, which is really annoying me. Maybe maybe it's just me that can hear it. But um, I like, and I know you might disagree with this word, but I like using, I like seeing balanced tables, right? So and when I when I say balanced, I don't mean symmetrical. I don't mean that each side is the same. I just mean that when you weigh up the pros and the cons of each side, on balance, they are well, they're balanced. They're the same. Okay. Right. Why? So, 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 so. Super curious, but like, why? What is it about that that you? What's that trying to do for you? So, what that's trying to do for me is because what I hear people say, and I think this is very important. The language about this is, I hear people say that tables, one table, one side needs to be better than the other, and then I say, well, for who? Right. For for like, because when you start see when you start talking like objectively, like if this side is a better side. Then you're like, well, for who? For the Varuna player or the Hack player? Because those are not the same things. Mm. And peep different players, different armies, different missions, right? You'll value different part, different things about a, a, a site. So when I say balanced, what I mean is, let's just say, take your supplies analogy. You're saying, yeah, one side might have easier access to two out of the three boxes, but maybe the other side has um, a really good place to put your link team. Right, and then the other side maybe has I don't know, you know. So, so you look at like a bunch of different things. So, so the things you look at, you know, when you're looking at a table, you're looking at like places to put your link team, places to put maybe a, a um, your lieutenant, um, access out of your DZ, um, access to the objectives, uh, lanes of fire, um, like you said pieces touching the back of the DZ, right? Some some of those sides, some one side might have it, the other side might not. But then that side might have this, and this side doesn't have that. Yeah. So objectively, neither side is better than the other. But if you are a hack player and you walk up to a table, you can look at both sides and go, yeah, both these sides look pretty balanced. But as a hack player, um, and we're playing supplies, I want to... Um, you know, I, I I want to be able to take these two. Um, I I want to go first, right? So I'll, I'll or well, actually first is a bad analogy. But if I'm if I want to go second, then I feel like this side would be better for me to um, push out from on on turn two. Whereas I'm going to so I'm going to break this down yeah. for uh, for Gav using some meathead analogy. Um, so if you if because I know you've been working out a lot lately, Gav, if you got a barbell. And you've got a 20 kilo weight on the other end of the bubble. <laughs> and then on the other end of the bubble, you've got two 10 kilo weights, <laughs> right? The weights on the, like the, the composition of, of each side of that barbell is different, but it is still balanced. Yeah, but the distribution's all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I, I, say, I, no, no, I, I had an analogy that I, I, I came up with on the toilet, right? Treat, and I've written it down, right? Treat table design like army design. Most armies in the game are balanced, but they're not the same. Mm. That's what so, you want, right? You want to be able to walk up to a table because what I, what I hate, what I really fucking hate 
is when you get to a table and say, say someone, you say, like, oh, hey, go go um, build this table. Like, you know, I'm a TO and I'm just trying to build all these other tables. Just go, just go put some train down there. And then I go over and I can see that this person has just stood on one side of the table the entire time and gone, well, this side's the better side. Mm. And that side's the worst side. So what that means is then when two players rock up to a table and if you are planning on going first, then you're still planning on going first. And if you're planning on going second, you're taking the same fucking side every time. Right, you're not. You're not. Cha- no one. Every a, any two sets of players going up to the table shouldn't have to pick the same side if you're going second every single round because it's objectively a better of the better side to deploy on. You want to be. You want to be factoring in the mission, armies. You know, hey, this one's got a cyber nest. Oh, this one's got a really good place to null deploy in. Oh, but this side's got a better way to get to the, the objectives. Ah, oh, but this side's got a good place to put an AD on. That's so what two- you need to think of. In typical podcast fashion, we're we're arguing almost the same thing, uh, the same fucking thing. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're, you know, so so I agree that there should be choice, right? Like, what I don't want to see is essentially, oh, both sides are about the same, so fuck it, I'll go first. No, okay? that, that's that's fair. I, I intensely dislike that. Where I think the the decision between choosing deployment, and not just because of the mission. Um, which which tends to be what I, you hear a lot about these days, but like you should like it should be a genuine choice. Do I want deployment because there is something about a certain side that I like, and it doesn't have to be the same. Like one side, your opponent might want the side that you end up giving them because it has something specific that they might want that they you know as well. Mm. Um, but I, I I don't mind there being some sort of disparity there, especially like in the case of like one side has a big fuck off tower and the other doesn't, right? And the reason is, let's say. I'm playing, fuck, what's a short range army? Cosmo. JSA. Cosmo. Okay, let's say I'm playing Cosmo, right? I'm playing Cosmo um, and there's a side with a tower and there's a side that like actually would probably be better for me, right? For whatever reason. Yep. But I'm playing against an army like... Varuna. Varuna. I'm like, I'll take their side because I just don't want them to have that position. So I'm okay with with their having some sort of like... And that doesn't clear, like that side isn't better for me. It's just worse for you to have this side. Yes. So, and I think I, that's very important. So I think yeah, in a lot of ways we're we're kind of splitting hairs here. Um. In I, terms, yeah, I agree. I just think that the language is important. Yeah. Sure. So sure, like language, good, better. You know, like and maybe maybe it's more like. So my my thing is, I want to see there be an actual decision or deployment, a reason that you're choosing to deploy. Not just because the mission says go second, so I'm just choosing deployment. Fuck what, and I'll choose whichever mm-hmm. side, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or the mission doesn't favor um, going second, because then it's because then what, what you're what, what you're having is essentially not people caring about deployment itself. They're caring about the order. They're just choosing deployment because they expect to go second anyway. And I don't like seeing that. I like to see people go. This table has something I want. And that's why I'm going to, you know, deploy. Yeah, I, I, I think that the I've wrote, I've read it down here because I, I and I hear people say this. Line, yeah, it, it's because people there's this uh, fallacy that assumes given a table is balanced, a player will always choose to go first, right? That's yep. that's what I've heard as well, and I'm like, that's not true. Mm. That doesn't like maybe for some players, but that's not true for every player, every mm. every mission, every table. Um, so you have to be, yeah. You see, you have to give that choice to somebody. If they rock up and they're playing frontline, which you know traditionally you'd want to go second on, you go mm-hmm. to a table and you're like, oh well, actually, oh that side looks pretty good 
for 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 me if I you know if I wanted to go second. Um, but also we're we're also we're also assuming that these players think think um, are thinking about sides as well because like a perfect example is last night I played in that TTS table that TTS map before and I chose the same side that fucked me last time because <laughs> I was literally like I'm on this side anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like not every player checks all these things that we're doing as table designers, but I think it it, it be, it's still good to do because you Sorry, will get those players yeah. out of that. So you you can you went with the yeah. excuse of picking table side because you're already on it in TTS. Yeah. When to change yeah. table sides, you literally <laughs> click two buttons. I know. <laughs> no, well it wasn't quite like that. It was because I was like, oh, I played on the side before. I think I liked it. I'll just try it again. And then, uh, and then as Trent set up, I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, no, this is the bad side because that side there has like the arrows to like the end of the world." And I'm like, "Shit, I should have denied him that because I knew he was playing mo." I mm-hmm. said, "Well, at 400 points, it's really hard to know what he was going to take." But I was like, "Oh, I should probably be denying him arrow opportunities." Um, but I didn't think about that. But again, you again like this those. Um, table design should be a should be quite subtle as well like it shouldn't be so overt like here's my fucking fort kick ass and also there's no terrain in your dz like that's no 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 don't ever do that because you're like oh tables should be unbalanced what what i what i used to do when i designed tables um like um my own when i'd put them down on the on the table i'd also do things like um like red herrings so i'd have a table that like like if you just have a glance at it, one side looks. Oh, I love really it. Yeah, I love that. Mm. So it's like, oh, here's the fork kick ass and all that, and you're like, yeah, that's where I want to be, right? But if you actually, you know, paid attention, so like the the, the more competent players, um, they'd, they'd look at that and go, oh, that definitely looks like a trap because there's actually no ways for my ground troops to advance effectively. Mm. Meanwhile, the other way, there was like this whole. You know, easy, easy access where they could ignore the the the, yeah. the fort kicker. Like, so, like the first the first eight inches <coughs> outside of the blooming zone is just a, a yeah. no man's land. Yeah, and, and um, the other side was protected. So, um, yeah, like creating tables doesn't necessarily have to be you know one side is clearly better, but there should be choices to make. And I really hate when I see a table which is just you could literally cut the table in half, fold it over, and it'd be the same fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, I I find that extremely tedious. Um, I I think there should be some benefit, um, and you know, to a side. Uh, It doesn't have to be stronger, but it has to be something to go, well, that's why I'd take it. And that's that's where uh, the earlier discussion about terrain um, zones comes comes in. Like, I've got my table, it's a compound table, and I've got some terrain zones, and I've got some rocks, and I've got some... some, um, pawns right and they're not uh they're usually kind of on one side of the table and if you have models that have terrain skills or or you know, take advantage of that then you might look at it and go oh actually that's not a bad place to put my my sniper or my whatever my uh, my biker in its 13 to get the extra inch of movement but it's not like so bad that someone look at it and go oh i don't want that side um yeah it's just there as a little bit of a bonus if you've taken the right skills, but it's not going to fuck you like an entire zero G table will. <clears throat> and then to your point about access, that's actually one of the things that you're talking about, like what you think might find most important when you're building a table. DZ is number one. I totally agree because if your DZ is sparse <laughs> or not very well, well, well laid out and you know, if you're up against the wrong opponent, you might as well just throw in the towel. But the other thing is access and um, listening to Rob, 
Rob, uh, Rob's latest video where he talks about the CB, the new CB terrain, which I think is amazing, by the way. Like, even though I like my themed tables, I think that terrain is very well designed and creates really nice tables, like really fair tables, but really fun tables. And he talks about um, access. So, you know how those um, those buildings only have one staircase on them to get yep. up? Yep. He likes to face them inwards towards the table because mm -hmm. it promotes movement, right? So if you've got these... These, uh, so uh, an example will be me playing Trent last night. So he took four kick-ass, but all the doors and windows face backwards towards his DC. So on the third turn when he goes, all right, I'm going to move out, the only, thing, the only thing he can do is jump down, and then everything that's on the ground level has to go backwards four inches to get out of the doorway to come back, like eight inches to come back around to where they start. Mm -hmm. So like that, that's annoying for me trying to get to him, it's also annoying for him in a mission where he has to get out. So in some ways, facing those buildings either to the side, you know, so the doorways are to the side or stories are facing outwards, it promotes people who want to move. And it, it you know, means if you do have a defensive core, you're kind of like, well, actually, yeah, I can't, I can move. I can't, you know, I'm not, you know, sometimes when those doors are facing backwards, you're kind of consigning yourself to this building. I, I live here now. If the door's facing inwards towards the, the action, you can be like, well, Actually, it'll only take me like an order or two to get out of here now, so I might as well do it. And I think that's super important um, in, in missions, especially in missions like Frontline or, or Frostbite or any of those missions which you have to move in. Um, setting tables up in a way that allows players to actually move up the board is really important. Something else, this is like a real small aside, but it's something like I, I really enjoy doing, is when I place, um, say, a building... Uh, and its intention is to be like in a deployment zone, is not to put the entire thing in the deployment zone, but have it so yeah. partial, partially out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just so that like my homeboys at Hack can- Yeah, boy. <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> can, can, you know, place a day or a speculo, those sorts of things, right? And the reason, the reason I like doing that, right, is you're giving somebody an asset in this like here's where you want to hide your models or here's a tower and stuff like that and you can still use it but you need to be aware that an opponent can put a prone guy there yes which is going to give you some grief and i, I love that and you don't and you do not do it with every building but if there's like a piece that is very good and has a strength i do like putting that mitigating factor in there to sort of like that's actually field a bit. Yeah, that's that's that has two um, two really good benefits. So one, the one you just explained with the fide, because again, like playing Shaz mm -hmm. or Hack, I'm playing a mission, and one side has that little, you know, inch or two inches that are outside the DZ, but they're on the rooftop. I'll be like, oh, I might give my opponent that side so I can place a fide there. Mm -hmm. But if I'm playing a mission like Frontline or Supremacy, I like having that side because it allows me to just like one order move a link team. And they're yep. all now, like, well, they're not all, but, like, some mm -hmm. of them are now outside of the DZ, and I haven't given up any arrows to that. Yep. That's really nice, too. So, I, yeah, I do like having those buildings that aren't... And that goes back to, I think, an earlier point where you were saying about your DZ is is you kind of have buildings which are... Try to have buildings which are, which are layered in different um, distances yep. from the edge of the DZ. So you have... So they're not, like, all on the 12-inch line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, I know it's annoying for some players where they're like, oh, my, you know, missile launcher is like half an inch away from being able to touch this cover. They're mm -hmm. like, well, that's kind of the intention. Um, plus, it, plus with the verticality now, it doesn't matter anywhere near as much point. as it does. Yeah. Um, that, that rule has freed up deployment and 
and the way you do things a lot anyway. So the way I look at that is that's fine because if anything's below you, you're getting cover, but you now have the risk in your head of like, do I plonk it here and somebody from above or on the same level as me is going to defeat that cover? So yeah. I think that's to me a pretty fair thing to do. Um, you know, last edition, it was like gospel that, you know, you had you had that um, like parapet in yeah. a position where on you were giving somebody, giving somebody cover, whereas it's the game's been freed up a lot because of the, the, the terrain rules. Yeah, no, that's I uh, absolutely agree, and 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 then as uh, from a point of view of um, you know defending your DZ and not not having those flank attacks, is if you've got you know a, a piece of terrain that's right on your back edge, and then the next piece of terrain that's halfway up your deployment zone, and the third piece of terrain that's you know on the DZ or slightly in front of it, it gives that kind of angles. That means that someone who's flanking you can't just be like, well, here's all fifteen of your models. I can see them all now. Um, you know, it, it like you say, it breaks up. It breaks up the DZ. Um, and that's and again, that's something I've seen on WGC where it'll be like there'll be three or four buildings and scatter in DZ, and they'll all seem to be about three to four inches away from the back edge. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. Well, I've got all my stuff lined up behind this building, and they're all on the same axis. Yeah. <laughs> so. I really hope that you don't walk an AD, like you don't drop something something in here or yeah. have um, Argo and Duro. The, la- the last thing I'd sort of um, want to touch on is specific, I mean, mainly at, like as a TO, um, know where your objectives are going to go. Um, mm. Have, like, if you can have them marked out or placed in the context of what the table looks like, because you'll have instances where a table looks fine but then you plonk the ter- the the um the objectives down and it totally can fuck one opponent or the other especially in something like looting and sabotaging where like if you've got one where it's behind a million things and you've got to take six orders just to get to it whereas your opponent can just like pop smoke and walk on it and kill something um you know that's obviously really really bad for an opponent you don't want the game feeling like it's decided before you know dice have been rolled right yeah. so um, I, 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 like your your HeroCon um, talk there was the same thing happened to me at HeroCon. I played looting and sabotage where my opponent's AC2 was on top of an 8-inch high building. And I actually, I th- and I think I got the TO yeah. round and I was like, uh, that that feels a bit off. And they're like, well, it's there now. I mean, yeah, thank- so it- th- thankfully I had a Sphinx, so mm-hmm. it was okay, but I could have, and my opponent was playing NCA, so I was kind of already in the Mm-hmm. winning yeah. basket anyway yeah. but <laughs> yeah. but Look, at the same time if i wasn't if that wasn't the situation it would have felt like well this, yeah. this sucks that tournament was amazing so i'm not going to throw too much no, shit but it was like, it was so good but, but that, really that good. to me is a decision that shouldn't have happened either like it's one thing for a mistake like that to happen um you know because you know shit happens right tables are designed they just plonk stuff down and mm-hmm. i get the whole play it as it lies but that's it's a pretty reasonable sort of like hey can we make this workable you know yeah. what i mean because no one wants wants that where like you're so lucky that you were playing a sphinx like literally the i can't how many other models have climbing plus and anti-material there's not a lot so yeah, yeah. um like yeah it's pretty rough yeah exactly yeah. so i mean i mean it, like yeah like you say it was fine um the end and 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 no, no shade on the on the for, for that but that's the sort of stuff you have to be aware of when you're when you're building a table, especially now in ITS 13, where you know ITS 12, they removed all the missions that like tic tac toe, 
And then in ITS 13, they've now brought back Frostbite that has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven objectives. That's uh, seven pieces on the t- table you have to be aware. Interact with. Yeah, you, where, where you've got buildings or walkways. And, yeah. and, um, and something I want to mention as well is, is um, I, I can't tell you how many tournaments I've been to or I've organized where, where people seem to just don't think that you can place objectives on elevated ground. Mm, yeah, I'm okay with it. More than happy with that. They're yeah. like, no, no, they have to be in the ground level. I'm like, they absolutely do not have to be on the ground mm. level. Um, you obviously you, they have to be generally be accessible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they can't just yeah. be in, fucking up in the up in the heavens. But having everything on the ground level is kind of boring, right? You know, you've got these buildings. Why can't they be in or on a building? Yeah, that that's how I play it. Um, if there's an internal, I place it on the internally on that spot mm-hmm. uh, and if the building doesn't have internal i place it on the on the next level yeah uh, and i guess talking about uh broad more broadly then about tournaments um and you know setting up a table for an individual game is one thing because you can move things around and you can play it for the event but when you're running an event like Novacore where you've got 100 players that adds extra stress and considerations on your table designs yeah you'll you'll get a few that are like really really sparse um just because and and why is that though so so there's usually two two reasons uh one is just because that's what they've got and i appreciate them bringing it but there's also a group and i get it because we all you know want to push our own opinions or stuff there'll be people that think this is the way the game should be played they might have a philosophical issue with say war bands right so people like i fucking hate seeing gavin play 20 models so (laughs) so here's a table with three pieces of terrain on it you know what i mean yeah well yeah they're just like and i i i get that they're, they're, they're what they're trying to say but it's not me you're hurting it's it's the other players who are not ready for that so trying to make them as you know reasonable as possible you're going to have some that are a little bit more dense some that are a little bit light but i suspect you know, yeah but like you you like i'll go around and it, out of like 50 tables there'll be maybe one or two that i'm like i'm gonna have to keep an eye on one and this one i'm just gonna have to pull because it's just not gonna work so mm. um yeah like mo- mostly it, it's it's inexperience and people you know not having enough train and just making do with what they've got uh, and the other big thing is um, when somebody brings a, to- a table to a tournament and there's specific things they do to make it work, whether that's, um, um, you know, terrain rules or certain ways they set things up, but they don't explain that to you. In They've they just placed it and left it. Yeah. Uh, it's really important if there's certain things you've done to make your table work, like if it's just a table that works fine, but if there's specific things about your table that need to be told, you need to have something there written black and white next to it so that people can follow it uh, because otherwise what, what happens is I'll get told, you know, oh, this table didn't work for X, Y, Z, and I'll go mention it to the person. They're like, oh, yeah, it's because, you know, you're meant to have a saturation zone at this spot which stops what you're yeah. worried about. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's that's the perfect example of, of uh, my, ta- my tables, right? So um, like two of the tables I've got on most recent tournaments we've had in Melbourne. Um, do you want me to stop? Oh, sorry. I was just, uh, just move your mic up a little bit so it's in front of your mouth. Oh, sorry. Up there, yeah. It's fallen down quite a bit. My so. bad. Okay, no, so I was just trying to move away from my uh, my noisy nose. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Um, so where was I? Yes. So uh, the point you made about the making tables, making people aware of how tables work, is really important. And at tournaments that I've run or been part of, and I brought a table, I'll have it on an A4 sheet of paper, which is good to a point until about maybe round two when that piece of paper gets fucking thrown away because someone's trying to put their army down on top of it. And then and then I get invariably get someone to go, hey, how's this table work? I'm like, the pieces of paper is there. I'm like, oh, my army's on it now. I'm like, well, lift it up. Um, and 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 so so that goes, but that goes also back to the the general the consensus in the community to have to to be comfortable with tables that are a bit off the wall, that have you know forests or sat zones or uh, verticality. Uh, where you just the more you play it right the more you get used to it and the more you prepare for it kind of in your back of your mind you just kind of go oh well I might play on a table that has um, all desert right maybe I just have to think about that um, and I think that's good right I think that's good for a community in general because it kind of you know I, I feel like two years ago you rock up and I know it myself I think I rocked up to Vizzy's table that was on like all desert and I was like well I ain't playing that that way if I did that now, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I, I don't, you know, that, that makes sense. We're playing on a desert. There's a desert um, terrain. I'll happily play that way. Uh, so I think that shift has helped. So, yeah, I, I can cop pockets of terrain, but table-wide terrain rules I fucking think should die in a fire. I just think they're so bad for the game. Because, there's, uh, yeah. because yeah. Where's, the, where's the decision? Like, if the idea, if the argument is, these terrain rules are in place to create, you know, tactical decisions about what you do on the board. If it doesn't matter where, where you position, what's the fucking point? It's all done in, in yeah. this building. And I, I, I've never seen anybody write a list based on a terrain skill. But I mean, I don't think the intention no, no, I, I, I don't think that's is to have them applied table-wide. No, no, but I've just... I've, very I've, specific. There, there I've just, have been just tables. addressing Kev mm. talking about that specifically. Like, mm. yeah. if it's small pockets, fine, but, like... Full tables. I'd but the really, the, really the counter like. to that though is I also don't particularly like CB's approach with the um, the blast template. Um, oh, they're shocking, right? Because they're kind of like I get the point, and I don't like I personally don't oh, mind like your, the like from blizzards, blizzards, right? The, um, because I because when you're talking about small pockets, right? They just again going with the story of a, of a, of, mm-hmm. of a table. A circular template in the middle of a fucking cityscape is a blizzard. You're like, well, that's because they're not thematic. Like, yeah, you know what they, I mean? just, they kind of break Whereas that immersion. Like, is like they're doing it because they want you to just use the rule, right? Which whereas is fine. if you, whereas if you've you know created a table with you know jungles and stuff in it, it's because you've created that table and it makes sense that it's you know jungle. So, but the the the, the template thing, all that happens is if it's in a mission like the armory, it's like okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna block your two two ways into the armory with this, so it's gonna take you more orders, or oh, there's one way out of your deployment zone, I'm gonna throw one there. I just don't find it particularly enjoyable. I don't as, mind as the terrain rule. skill. I don't mind the terrain part of it because I think that again, like CB encouraging players to try terrain skills, be aware of that terrain skill, that terrain exists, and get used to it is kind of a, a way for people like me to make tables that will fuck with you, Gav. Because you've already experienced a blizzard, so when you come to my table and it's like all forest, you're like, well, at least I know how it works now. Mm. But the saturation zone is a thing that I find um, annoying, mostly because these blizzards are generally flat, and it's harder sometimes to draw a line of fire through mm-hmm. them. Um, saturation zones as well I just don't like because they don't favour 
air rules uh, very well and in a game where I feel like that alpha striking is very strong shitting on your air rules or your um, linked air rules is, is kind of yeah. not good for the game but that's another the Kev, discussion the Kev link teams are too strong Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, says say the guy who may yeah. have just who may have just won a tournament running dash at with no links at all. But that's fine. That's we'll we'll talk about that another time. Uh, so Google Meet's telling me we've got three minutes left. What well, we'll have there? we'll have a break and come back. We'll. Is there anything else we want to talk about though, or do we want to wrap it up? Yeah, I'm pretty good. You got anything else to add? Um, I just, I guess um, the only thing I had written down here was about themed tables, and I do think mm-hmm. even in a hundred, a hundred player event, I think having like you know half a dozen themed tables is really good for the community because it allows people to flex their creative, you know, creative brains. Um, okay, how do you define theme table though. What do you mean? Like, okay, so a good example is uh, Pete Henry's uh, um, shipyard table that's got ships and the French those, those French tables that we saw I, they, they blew my brain they were amazing we may have to come back and do another like 10 minutes of this because those French tables I don't care how not playable they were they were a thing of beauty they should be in the, the Louvre as far as I'm concerned like they that ship that's got the little beach and the deck chairs oh mwah, chef's kiss I can't I would love to play on those tables I might be like I might be like well I would you know bikes in this table but um climbing plus oh i love it just so just quickly on your terrain your um opinions on the terrains i'd be far more favorable if there was one terrain skill which no matter what terrain you were faced with mm. you were able to mitigate it because you just cannot predict it it's like okay i've i've taken desert terrain but i happen to be rock up on a water table or something like that it's so frustrating i i yeah i no, i agree one, i agree I, I, my my opinion would probably change completely if it was multi-terrain was the only skill it had and yeah. it just allowed you to ignore whatever terrain type because then as somebody who like looks at like skills and goes, oh, I want to value this skill or not, I'd be able to like go, well, this is going to come up far more often than the one, is a train skill going to be on the table? And two, is it going to be the right train skill that it's relevant? Yeah, I agree. Because mountain we're, terrain is a real game changer. We have about 30 uh, seconds. So we're going to, we're, we're just going to cut, uh, cut this and then come back and we'll like do a little wrap up and then we can see our goodbyes. Cool. All right. Cut the call is about to end. So <laughs> bye <laughs> listeners. We'll be right back. Okay. And we're back. Uh, apologies for that. We should really just get the, uh, premium subscription for this, um, recording i'm sure thing. there's something else we could figure out but i'll just haven't had the time to look into it so this makes it feel more rustic anyway uh we're gonna um close out the show with a little bit of um i guess final thoughts uh, i guess on on table design i think we've touched on a, a lot of different a uh, lot, lot, lot of good things tonight on um general aspects of table design what we like and and, and how we differ on, on things that we like but um maybe Closing thoughts from you, yourselves out there. Nick, maybe you want to start? Um, I think like there's the adage that the table is the third player when it, in Unity, right? You've got the player one, player two, and, and third player is the is the table because it is the other variable in the game and it does change all the time. Um, I think that's I think there is um that's that's not untrue statement. Um and the way you design the table is definitely going to um, want you, – you want to – when you're building a table, always keep that in mind, right, that 
way that your, t- your table is going to be played on by all different people with all different armies and all different play styles. Um, I'm not saying you want to make something that's going to cater to everyone because I don't think you can do that. But um, have and having having, I'm, I'm honestly not sure where I'm going with this. Just to, just <laughs> no, I, I think you're on to you're on to a good a good point though. But because it is yeah, it is the important third player. So when you build a table, you have to consider it, and it's not something you can you can just ignore when you build a table. So I um so I have a few things. Firstly, my 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 general thoughts on this episode are, are more skewed towards when you're a, a TO. Mm-hmm. As a TO, what I want is a smoothly running event. I don't want to have a bad experience from a player that I feel like I'm responsible for. So when you want something smooth, you lose some of that that variation which can create interest and theme and talking points, right? As a player, I'm all for weird and wonderful tables. Um, it, it might change how I feel about like the stakes in the game. Like if I if I come to a table and I think that it's totally skewed, I'm not going to have as much investment in the result of the the game because, as far as I'm concerned, the table's doing some of that heavy lifting. If that makes any sense. But my sure. general my general views uh, tonight are specifically as a TO. I want the event to run smoothly. And the way you do that is by having as standardized um, a set as possible. So that that's sort of where I'm going from. And the other thing I'd sort of say is when you're designing tables, um, try and not be trying to prove a point of some some sort. Um, mm-hmm. you'll have you'll have someone who has a certain opinion on something and then create a table specifically. I'm not gonna yeah, out of spite almost. They're like, I hate X, so I'm going to design a table so that that can't happen. To try and create a table where it's as objective as possible and just fair, as opposed to I hate a certain part of the game and I'm going to mitigate it. When uh, when you said before, Gav, that you want to have um, tables that have some sort of like standardization almost in them. Mm-hmm. All I can think of was that uh, 40k GT. Oh, for a few years back with uh, yeah. all the tables were made. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh my god, was no, that CanCon? No, no. no. Well, no, it wasn't CanCon. Was yeah. oh. I'm not sure where it was. Oh, it was in the UK. It was. It was in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. No, no, and definitely that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying don't like as much as possible. I want things to not be as you know, like I just don't want one specific table to get back to me and go, "What? Why did you let this table? You know, out yeah. into the open." You know, and, and the thing is, you can you can have those tables, but what it means is more work. It means more work for you and your team. You usually need a bigger group of people keeping an eye on things. Um, it just makes it harder. That's all I'm saying is like the weirder you go with your tables, if you're a TO, the more work you or your team have to go into moderating it and making sure they play properly because some players will be able to just work it out between themselves as as, you know, like, experienced players but others will need somebody to to help them through that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to come down to the community that you've got around you as well because mm-hmm. the community are the people who are bringing those tables mm-hmm. if you've got if you're hosting a large event and then you need to get every table there you can right mm-hmm. so that's where you do run the risk of of experiencing some of those weird uh, tables yeah. we're real we're lucky down here in melbourne that Almost every player has a table. We've got a few people who have multiple tables. Kev's mm-hmm. got three. We've got the um, the Henry brothers who have 
I didn't, wouldn't even know how many tables they'd be able to bring. I reckon yeah. six. I reckon they could get to the six tables confidently between the two of them. Um, so we are we are blessed. And I think also one thing we haven't really talked about is like the different um, what you see in different areas and the the table design, how it's how it affects the way people play in terms of like the, the meta. local local meta. Meta, yeah. Local local, not the meta. I'm not using like the that. local meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 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 the not the new Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but more on a local scale, right? When because of a local, what a local meta looks like and how how that impacts. Because I do feel that in Melbourne, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. like- we tend to play with denser tables. And I think one of the reasons why we do that is because we have so many people who have so many beautiful tables, and they just want to get them out there. Yeah, now that's that's a really um, really good point, and I think because I was going to say before is like yeah, you were saying that I have three tables or four tables now. The Henry brothers had a bunch of bunch of tables. Just saying before we got cut off that that Pete has a Varuna, not a Varuna table. Yeah, Varuna table. It's a aquatic environment. It's like a shipyard, like a port yeah. or whatever. Like you know, so there's lots of water, lots of. Lot, lot, lot. And I played in it before, and I thought I was going to hate it, and I actually loved it. Um, but again, it breeds that kind of uh, player in you because you play on that table often enough, you're going to be ready for it in your local area. You play on my compound table enough, you're going to be ready for the way that plays. But if you, you know, and that's why I'm so excited when we can go back to um, international, well, not international, sorry, interstate gaming. I'd love to be able to drive all my tables over to Sydney and throw down my compound table, my brutal city table, my forest table, Peter's uh, uh, hack table, his uh, shipyard table, and then and then just be like, right, deal with this. This you know, this is what we've been playing on for the last eighteen months. How do you guys feel about it? And and I would love to get that feedback. That you know, hey, oh, this is a fucking shit table, or this is amazing, or you know, this needs more work, or or you know, and that that would be that generates conversation and and gets people more used to uh, these environments, and, and I think that's that can only be good for the game, right? Yeah, you you find that um, before the world sort of blew up, um, when we were all into intermingling, things became pretty homogenous anyway. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of inbreeding between between the metas um which created a lot of things that we all tended to do anyway and things i think have fractured a little bit because you know you guys have been doing your thing and you know a lot of a lot of the community has sort of gone into hibernation as well so yeah i, th- I think that'll come back and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that so yeah um i yeah what you were saying about before about um tables how we play densely, um, how we uh, how we play more dense tables, and then we're looking at WGC tables going. That's too open, and mm-hmm. then uh, but then someone brought up a good point and says, well, maybe Melbourne just plays too dense. Like maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's the and that and that and it all came to a he- all came to a head when our local Ben recreated the uh table from oh, the from, yeah. from, from from the rule book right you know from if you open up the n4 rule book there's like the uh the I this is know. an example of what a, yeah. a light table looks like this is an example of what a medium table looks like this is an example of what a dense table looks like which one was it was it the dense one that he recreated i think it was the medium i want to say or the normal i don't know I, I feel like it was like this is like the standard yeah. this is what this is what we expect from a from a table it's horrible 
I think I, I you know, as someone who likes playing dense tables, I looked at it and thought, this looks fine. Like I could yeah. totally, yeah, yeah, because like I, I, he recreated it on TTS, which is amazing, right? So you can get right into it and you can see it properly. I think it's got a couple of issues, but I don't think it's so much that if I walked up to a tournament on this table, I would think this is a horrible table. I'd be thinking, okay, this is a challenging table. There's some long fire lanes. There's some, there's some sniper nests, but there's enough there to make it work. And I think that in itself is a good reflection on the community that, that I, as a person who likes playing dance, can look at the table and see the benefit or see the good in it. Uh, and not immediately go, oh, that's way too porous, and not want to play on it. I, 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 I would be okay with playing on that table, um, with a couple of additions, uh, uh, I think. But, but, the, but, but then I think to Gav's point about you know standardization, um, everyone, I think almost all of us now have some CB terrain in our in our closet somewhere that we can just put together. I wouldn't want to play on a on a, a you know a hundred player event with. Um, uh, 50 tables all made up of CB terrain. Oh, fuck no. No. Right? No as, as modular as they are, and as good as I think they are, at some point, you know, three three games in, you'd be like, these these are starting to feel like the same. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah when I say standardization, probably poor choice of words. I'm just talking um, not, not like insane variants to the point where um, games are, you know, decided by that. Yeah, that's for sure. specifically what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely got that. I guess I was just mm. putting that point mm. out there and saying, as good as the CB terrain is, I don't want a 40k event, mm-hmm. you know, a 40k style event where, hey, all the terrain is now this terrain. And that's actually one of the reasons why, as an aside, I don't really know if I want to keep playing A Song of Ice and Fire because I'm getting kind of annoyed by the terrain, the way the terrain's used in the game. I like it. It's fine, but it's not. I don't know if it's for me. So I'm mm. starting to, and, I, and, and maybe it's part of my love for Infinity and the variance and the and the creativity and the uh, artistic impression that someone can put on on you know their stamp their own stamp on a table and be like this is this is mine, and you can play on it and you can enjoy it and you can experience it or you can hate it. I don't really care as long as you've gotten a, a, a as long as you played on it. Mm. Um, Something that was told to me like super early on when I was playing Infinity is um, if warbands are too strong in your area, remove some terrain. <laughs> if, if tags and heavies are too strong, maybe add some terrain. Yeah. Mm. That, and that feels like a pretty good, uh, pretty good closing statement actually. And in, in, in general for, for any, any table, right? Mm. Add That's or remove thing, some terrain. Right. As well. The way you've set up your table and the way that you play your table is not set in stone. Mm-hmm. Every time that you play a game, you are taking that terrain out of the box and putting it on the table. You don't have to do it the same time, every, the same way every time. You, it's, it's. There's plenty of companies out there that are making MDF laser cut stuff or even 3D print more terrain. It's not difficult to to add a few extra pieces as well if you want to try a little bit more. And um, there's and the, yeah, and there's so many manufacturers out there. You know, CB, Brutal Cities. Micro arts, all that you know, and shout nuts, out to lots of dice, nice to dice, you know, and, and shout out to, to Ryan from Brutal Cities for creating some you know insane tables that have really you know, uh, I think changed the way in which you can play Infinity, which I think is great, um, for the game. So, you know, that can that constant innovation is something that I love about Infinity. You know, you rock up to a table and you never, you know, you think you've seen it all, and then you go to the French 
Facebook page and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you're like, this is all new again. This is amazing. This is like, it's a it's constant evolution. So, um, yeah. Love mm. it. Cool. Well, we might wrap it up there then. I think so. There's nothing else we want to cover, but um, good chat, boys. Very good. Um, I'm real great to have you back on board, um, Gav. It's been a while. Your Next time, contribution is invaluable. Thank you. Next yeah. time, I'll uh, have some games under my belt. I hope. Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, to quote uh, Nick your salient points that you raised <laughs> on tonight's episode. I really, uh, I really, you know, I really, really, uh, really enjoy talking to you, Gav. So thanks for That's coming on. Pleasure to be here. Uh, it sucks where I'm sitting, though. <laughs> <laughs> Next, gonna... time, next time, next okay. time we'll get we'll, we'll get you a chair. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send a photo to you guys to put up as a this is this is how I live. It's fucking shocking how I'm podcasting right now. It's the most jerry rigged outfit you've ever seen. It'll be a little, little precursor to the episode coming out if you send us that photo <laughs> tonight. I'll uh, I'll chuck it up. We'll chuck it straight up and then yeah. Uh... Get everyone frothing, frothing. <laughs> just just the photo of that and don't tell people how I live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, well, you've been listening to Lost of the Lieutenant. My name's Kevin. My name's Nick. This is Gav. Good night.